What's up, dude? Not much. How you doing? I'm doing all right. Hey, guys. Hey, what's hey, up, man? dude? Not much. I am so glad you're on. Why? Because Bill's you... not? What's that? Why? Because Bill's not? <laughs> no, Bill will be here. Ah, I'm a little tired, and I don't know if I'm going to have to be quite edgy enough to make fun of him on my own. Oh, I can take <laughs> care of that. <laughs> So I thought nice. having you on board, I, I I could really do no no heavy lifting in this show. I could be like Bill. <laughs> that was good. He was too bad he wasn't here to hear that. What's up, Bill? Back to the bin. Hey, oh, sorry I was a little late. I was, uh, you know, I really think I'm living vicariously through my son because I don't have the video game skills I used to anymore. <laughs> Z- so so he's, a little old, you slow down. So he's so he's playing Battlefront, and um, mm-hmm. he's really good in the Starfighter games. So he's out there, he's lo- he, he gets the Falcon, he gets sl- s- Slave 1, and he's flying around. I'm like, kill that guy, kill you, shoot him, shoot him. And then all the, you know... They they wiped out everybody, so a new wave of guys was flying in from the Star Destroyer. So I'm like, get up there and blow them guys up and send them back to their mama. <laughs> he's looking at me and he's like, why would I do that? So you can blow them up again. <laughs> Just get in there. I feel like Rod Steiger from Mars Attacks. Kill, kill, <laughs> annihilate, annihilate. Have you uh, have you been Taking playing your medication Infinity much at all? <laughs> Taking your medication. <laughs> I'm all pumped up. I'm all jazzed now. I'm like, yeah. Uh, you're back on the do, aren't you? No, no. Why? <laughs> why would you say that? <laughs> uh, have you been playing Infinity at all? You kidding? We've been slaughtering imps. Oh, I was okay. slaughtering I- I- English imps y- yesterday when I was blowing Andy out of the sky. <laughs> on He's Infinity like, or on Battlefront? Battlefront. He's like, you shot me. Oh, okay. I'm like, that's right. Well, that's an awful Andy. <laughs> I know that was terrible. All right, hang on. I'll be right back. Give me one second, then we can get going. But it was great when we were, um, um, when it was Andy and I were on a team against Andy's son and another guy who's good. So it was like two old men. <laughs> we were just getting slaughtered. It was all the humanity. <laughs> it was so sad. I just realized but, something that Matt does not have the book. protective order? <laughs> You're assuming I've actually... I've, read the books and i'm not just pretending well, i'm sure you'll want to follow along oh so. you, scott's got a gem you're gonna want to read yeah, what was oh, that? i was there Barbie? when he bought it <laughs> okay. i'm gonna have so much fun with this issue huh. so much fun because on the one hand i i really i'm really glad i bought this because it and i'll talk about why but on the other hand i'm not gonna have any problems taking the piss out of it either so lord knows i i have enough you know Hey, Bill, I thought of you tonight. I, I oh, actually, what, did you get stuck in something? I cracked Logan up because we were watching The Incredibles, which I haven't watched in a couple of years, and I forgot oh, just no. how awesome that movie is. When he gets stuck in the car or something? He, well, he get, well, there's the part where he goes to the island for the first time, and the henchman is trying to load him into that chute to send him out to, to tackle the Omnidroid, and he gets stuck. It, it, look, it looks like one of those, um, oh, what are those things they put you in in the, in the hospital, the CAT scan thing? Mm-hmm. You know, and he gets stuck trying to load into it, and he's giving the guy a dirty look. And I, I said to Logan, I said, "It's Bill trying to ride Cyberspace Mountain." <laughs> mm. If only there were photos. 
<laughs> oh, I don't think Matt know, knows about that story, but uh, unless you told him yesterday. No, I Let's, did not. He just needs to listen to upcoming episodes. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's the the timing is ironic because I was trying to find I'm trying to um I was trying to set up a demo for Scott on our phone in system here and I was looking for the two true freaks opening with that music from Kill Bill. I don't know, the Japanese music. I don't oh, know what, yeah, what I it's called. It to you. Yeah. And uh oh I finally found it and it happened to be the Conjurer episode I was on. So I was like, Oh, let me keep listening to this and then we got to Conjurer and then out of Conjurer and then Bill was telling you a story about being shuffled in line at the Hulk because he was in the the big gentleman seat. So the timing is ironic. I just heard that story today, and now I hear the Cyberspace Mountain story, sort of. <laughs> yeah, theme parks are not Bill's friend, it seems lately. So Poor Bill. Bill not like theme parks. <laughs> Walk away with a lonely man theme plane because I can't fit in any of the rides. <laughs> well, that's that's what it was like in. Uh... In Universal, on one of the Harry Potter rides, they made me like get tested on the seat like four times before they let me go. <laughs> really? That you don't seem like the. Oh well. This is, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Bill. <laughs> Open <laughs> mouth, insert foot. Yeah. The, oh shit. Okay, you don't yeah, seem so Bill-like. Yeah. <laughs> Why am I the standard bearer? <laughs> With Bill, it Why makes, perfect, the, well, it makes perfect sense. But Paul, I don't get it. What are they going to just start putting pictures of me up in front of rides? If you're this big, you can't ride this ride. Yeah, you know how they make the kids Must stand up to see if they're as tall? To ride. They Must make the kids stand up to see if they're as tall as the sign. They're going to have one where you, you have to go up against the wall. And if, if, you, if, if you can't see any of Bill behind you, you're not allowed on the ride. Must fit inside this silhouette to ride. And at Universal, it's Alfred Hitchcock or Bill, depending on if you're in the front or back row. <laughs> That's my favorite I may, episode. I may not be able to leave that in just because it's too mean. <laughs> That's I okay. I'm recording. This amusing, I'm gentlemen. You just put it on Swick. There you go. I yep. think we have books to do. <laughs> I'm waiting for okay, Bill. Who's, who's bringing us in? What? Who's bringing it in? Bill. You're bringing it in, Mr. Producer. All right. What, what you are darling. Well, with being bookless and all, I'll bring it in. <laughs> Yeah. I'm the paperless producer. Yeah, what's, what's, that, what's that all about? I had a book. It was called Fat Man. After mm. all the grief you've given us when we've gone bookless. I haven't. I don't think I've given you any grief. Uh, nothing but. Nothing but. Putting the Barbie comic on the home network share. This is going to be interesting to explain if my wife stumbles on it. <laughs> that something you want to tell me there? Nope. No, actually, nothing I want to tell you about this. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> She's not going to even let you hang out with Scott anymore if she finds out. <laughs> True. Anyway, welcome to Back to the Bins. I'm Paul Spataro. I am bookless today. I am joined by bookless Bill, who has a book. Yay. And we are joined by weird book Scott. <laughs> hey, how's it going? And once again, we have Mr. Matt Hunsworth with us. That is me. You know, I, I think last time, you know, we, we threw in a commercial, but I didn't really, or we didn't really give you a chance to kind of pimp Star Wars and characters. And I, I still, you know, I think you probably have about 12 times the listeners that we have. But if, if we have any that don't listen to your show, why don't you tell them what it's about? Okay. Um, well, it's just the, it, it's mostly the obscure Star Wars characters, like the ones you'd see in the cantina or Java's palace and the ones that are on screen for like two seconds. And they have as any... Star Wars EU fan probably knows every single one has a backstory, and we 
research it to a degree, talk about it, mainly have a lot of fun with it. And we've branched out into like odd ships and even some ideas here and there. But it's basically four Star Wars fans looking at the ridiculous minutia that's been created over the decades and having trying to have a lot of fun with it. I think we succeed in, to some level, at least when we're talking to ourselves. And well, I've met you guys, so I guess that's double the people I know that enjoy the show. <laughs> well, I, I, you know, I think we, we've all made it very clear that we enjoy the show a lot. Yep. Yeah, that's the long and short of it. If you are, yeah, if you're a, if you're if you're a Star Wars fan and not easily offended, that's really the only two criteria. Check it out; you, you might enjoy it. Okay, and so join us next week when we'll be back. What? Well, isn't that it? No. no, we have books. Well, don't you guys have to? Well, I figured if a, I don't have a, a con book, to talk about. Oh, I. <laughs> Didn't I never? Guys... I show up on this show and I never have a book, so it's all all the same to me. No, you had a book once. You did. Yeah, you had that rock and roll once. heaven book. Yeah. yeah. That was a good one. That's it. You, you, you're done. You did that one. You retired. <laughs> I got that one. I'm not allowed to bring a book ever again. You drop the mic and you're done. <laughs> I can only come back if Apollo Smile 3 is ever published. So this show effectively became an Apollo Smile uh, index show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it did. We've done both issues. Hey, and there's a call for us to write the third issue. Well, you, you and Mike Sidurlo are going to do that. That's right. Are they actually written or are they just like ideas on a dartboard and then darts thrown and then you make pictures to it i think saying ideas on a dartboard is probably giving it far too much credit <laughs> it's like that south park episode where it's like dolphins with with words on balls that they just push out of the pool for <laughs> jokes <laughs> that's about right so yeah i think you and mike should write it bill and then maybe get uh get one of our artist friends to to do it oh yeah we could yeah we could have mark uh mr calm back take shot I'm sure. I'm sure you'll you'll get an immediate cease and desist from the Apollo <laughs> Smile legal team. Yeah, right. What legal team, Zoom? Team Smile would never do that. Team, team smile. smile. Hey, that's what they call themselves. It's in the book. Uh, yeah, I'm yeah, in the book. Get, I'm, oh, calm down, Bill. It's okay. <laughs> I mean, this tread on on Team Smile's toes here. Hey, sh- I like Apollo Smile. She was pretty hot back in the day in '98 on. Uh, Back in '98 on uh, Sci-Fi Channel, the, the the Sci-Fi Channel week on Sci-Fi Channel before it was Siffy. Say that sci-fi. explanation was longer than her reign in, in pop culture. <laughs> Probably. I think I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna fill the. Uh, you're gonna hurl uh, the Apollo Smile uh, niche this this episode. If you're if you're niching for <laughs> for something similar, yeah, you, you might not be. <laughs> Far off from the truth there. I'm looking at the... Whoa, okay. I'm into the... Uh, I don't want to say the name and ruin the surprise. I'm in the indoor roller coaster scene. And what is going on in here? <laughs> well, you know, well, let's put that one on hold to the time yeah. being. Right. And let's, uh, let's let Bill do his first because it's a little bit more conventional. Speaking of conventions, did we, did we oh, want actually, to talk about the convention? For yes, this you're right. Uh, before we get into any books... Uh, especially with Matt on here with you, the two of you were at uh, what was it, Orlando Toy Con? Yeah, it was uh, Orlando Toy and Comic Con, is what it's called. It, it's just, it was just a one day show. Um, I had never been to it before, so I wasn't exactly sure what to expect of it and everything. Um, you know, I knew where the venue was, sort of. I knew it was at a Holiday Inn, so I figured it would be very much like uh, the one day shows that Michael Bailey and I used to go to. Uh, and that he still goes to um, in the Atlanta area. And it was kind of like that. It was a little bit bigger, though. 
um, cause they, they were using a convention space, but then they kind of overflowed into, uh, like a central lobby hallway thing. And then they all overflowed into another room. So they had a whole separate room that was kind of like artist alley, you know, in air quotes. And then they actually had some outdoor stuff too. So it was, there was actually a, a good number of vendors there and everything. And, uh, you know, yeah. lots of deals and it was not much larger than I, I wouldn't well, large is a strange word, but lar- larger than I expected for a one day. Right. Yeah. One day event for sure. Yeah, wasn't it at the, the same? Setup. Wasn't it at the same place that Conjurer was at? It was actually no? right across the street from it because oh, where we were at okay. for Conjurer was um, was a Hilton. It was the the Double Tree, Double Tree and this yeah. was right hmm. across the street from that. Hmm. But, uh, it was nice. I mean, they they had uh, they had a lot of vendors there, and because it was toys and comics, I think that probably doubled the size of. I think if it was just comics, it probably could have all fit in the main room. But because yeah. it was toys and comics, you know, it was it was like double the size of what I was expecting it to be. But it was a pretty good show. But the one thing I'm noticing, though, is that uh, 50 cent boxes definitely seem to be falling by the wayside because I think there were only, what would you say, Matt, two vendors, I think, that had 50 cent boxes. Everything else, the cheap boxes were at least a buck. At I least think. a buck, yeah. And the 50 cent boxes were like complete. Did you even pull anything out of them? I, I mean, I, I did. I actually did get a oh, couple did. Okay. of books out of 50 cent boxes. I mean, now, but, uh, obviously, I don't know exactly what I'm looking for, but there was like nothing in there like that even remotely rung any bells for me. That, right. that was like the bottom of the barrel, at least the boxes I looked through. There was one one vendor that was 50 cent boxes. The one that I bought stuff from had some decent stuff. And then the one I think you're thinking of, yeah, it was crap. It was all that <laughs> that. You know, that uh, regular 90s junk that you see everywhere that nobody wants. It's not even worth the paper it's printed on. So that was the one right. guy. And he had a lot of boxes, but it was all just pure junk. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the other guy, it was it was a fairly decent mix. And I'm glad that I spent the time to go through his stuff because there were uh, a lot of the other ones that were the dollar boxes had the same stuff that he had in his for 50 cents. So. But yeah, no, uh, no, like spectacular uh, deals on this stuff. Although you know, some of the higher price books I found, you know, I didn't get anything that was higher price. But some of the deals were actually pretty decent because there was a guy that got a really, really nice condition um, Captain America one hundred for one hundred and twenty, and that that was not bad. And everybody around him said, "Man, that's a that's a steal," mm-hmm. and he knew it too. But it was a really nice condition book. It had like one little. Uh, corner defect like right on the spine at the top there was just a little bit of a deep like a ding essentially but other than that it looked like it was like right off the stands brand new which was nice for a book that age so it was they they had some nicer books there and then there was a guy there that was trying to wheel and deal with one of the vendors he actually had brought in um an amazing spider-man number one and i didn't quite catch the whole deal all i heard was $1500 tossed out at one point which i thought that's really low for a number 1 i think anyway what do you what do you guys think i mean doesn't that yeah look i think so what kind of condition was that in i didn't get a good look at it but i mean the cover was on it and it looked like it was complete but you know a lot of times you know when the books in one of those that this wasn't even just like bagged and boarded this was in like one of those nice like mar, my, like the hard plastic mylar sheaths and when there is cgc there, I mean, rating on it or no no, no. See, the, the, when I, I have a picture. It's been on Facebook. A picture of me holding Amazing Fantasy fifteen, mm-hmm. and that was CGC rated, and it was a low rating. It was like a four or a three and a half or something like that. 
Right. Uh, and you looked at it, you know, you could see it was pretty beat up even inside the casing. But I think they were asking, I think it was 5500 Yeah. Wow. So you would think, a, you know, a decent condition Spider-Man number one isn't worth quite as much as Amazing Fantasy. But if it's 5500 in, you know, kind of beat up condition... And this one was in better condition. You would think it would go for at least three or four. See, that's what I was thinking too. I, I so I was kind of surprised. I, like I say, I, I kind of walked into the conversation late and didn't. I wasn't able to follow the whole thing just because of all the bodies, you know, kind of lumped around because it was really crowded. Yeah. Um, and I didn't wasn't able to follow the whole thing, but I, I heard at some point I heard that number thrown out there. So I don't know if the guy was saying that's what he originally paid for it or that's what he was asking for it or whatever, but. I mean, it looked like it was in decent shape, but the thing is, you know, a lot of times just simply bagging and boarding a, a book a lot of times will make it look better than it actually is. And then this one, of course, like I say, was in one of those nice, um, the you know, the sheath type, you know, where it's like it's like hard plastic and those will really dress up a book. I mean, I've seen books that were just falling, you know, falling to bits, but you put them in one of those and then they look all nice and new and glossy, you know, so it's, it was hard to tell, but it looked like it was in pretty decent shape. But yeah, personally, I stay away from the CG thing, uh, CGC thing. I think that's the biggest scam that ever came down the pike in comics. But that's I, I would stay away from it unless it was going to make me more money. <laughs> right. <laughs> Makes sense. Right. But, no, that's uh, it. That's the whole thought. But I didn't get a lot of stuff. You know, it's, it's actually I did pretty good. I didn't get a whole lot of books, but I didn't spend a whole lot of money either. So it was good. It was just it was really just fun. Kind of just, you know, I, I enjoy the hunt and I liked seeing, you know, what books are out there and that sort of thing. But uh, I'm going to let Matt go first for what he got, because I, I was tickled by what Matt got. If he wants to reveal. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't I don't mind revealing. <laughs> um, well, first, beside, before what I bought for myself, I was it. Um, the. Uh, Funko, the pop Funko things were everywhere, and I was actually able to add two of what my wife was missing from her Doctor Who collection. She collects a Doctor Who line of them, and surprisingly, they were no more than I would have bought them at any store. So that was nice. I mean, in fact, maybe a little cheaper, but not by much. But I was afraid that it was was going to be your your trapped. Your you found you found you're hunting for it. You found it. You're going to pay an extra five bucks for it. But this particular vendor was pretty fair. So strange to buy a new in the box type thing at one of these expos when you're surrounded by all these collectibles but that was cool to find those she was very happy it gave me a a pass on being away all day with scott <laughs> of course she did say at least it wasn't bill what well, of course <laughs> she's met bill right yeah that's why she said it that's the other restraining order <laughs> <laughs> but we were this is i think on our first lap around the convention floor whatever you want to call it and there's this corner booth or if you want to call it booth there's like this corner collection this guy had just that you couldn't even tell. I couldn't describe to you any kind of theme. He just had stuff. Yep. And one thing that caught our eye was this 12-inch record album, The Six Million Dollar Man, Here, Four Exciting Christmas Adventures. <laughs> and I know the exact wording because I'm holding it in my hands right now. <laughs> he was trying to unload it for 10 bucks. There's like, we just, I, there was no real no interest in it at first. But then he's like, you know what? I bought it for $5 at a yard sale and I've had it for however long it was. If, I'll take five for it. And I'm like, Ah, it'd be fun to have. It'd be fun to listen to. I'm like, I'm like, nah. We just kept walking. I couldn't stop thinking about it. I think what was it like, <laughs> two, three hours later? Yeah, it was a couple hours later. Yeah, you were you were digging through one of the back bins, and I walk over or walk away, and I was like, okay, I, I either I'm gonna buy it or I'm 
not going to stop thinking about it and be over obsessed about it. So I just walked up to him. I'm like, you still take five bucks? He's like, yeah, sure. Gave him five bucks, took the album, went and showed Scott. I was happy as could be. Wife, not so much. The two people who I think would go for that are uh, Andy Leyland and uh, Rob Kelly. You know, Andy, because he's just a huge $6 million man fan. And Rob, because he does the Power Records podcast. Right. So I think and either the- one of them would be thrilled to have something like that. And the irony of all ironies, for the longest time, we had a USB turntable, and well, I kind of blew the lead on that reveal, but a USB <laughs> turntable and a USB cassette deck, and we were converting all our old media to digital, and turns out we had the cassette deck, but turns out once we got through the vinyl, my wife saw absolutely no need or even prediction of anyone being dumb enough to buy vinyl again in this house, and has since gotten rid of it, so I can't even oh. listen to it right now. Until I get a hold of another one. I do know someone that has one that I'm going to borrow and digitize this and share it with share it with the world. The world needs to... I have a feeling the world's going to need to hear this by the time. Now, <laughs> as far as you can tell, are there uh, like real, you know, like Lee Mage's voice and things? I don't think so. There's like no... There's zero credits on the album. Like at the very bottom, it has a production. Uh, so it's produced by Arthur Korb. And that is it. It's copyrighted Universal Studio or Universal City Studios and licensed by universal city studios that is it for the credits uh, it's made by peter pan industries i mean there's zero credit so i seriously doubt he's on this and the more i look at it we weren't sure if it was music or dramas or what but it looks like it's for for lack of a better term for audio dramas all christmas themed all with a six million dollar man so this is going to be this is going to be interesting i can't wait to fire this up i was hoping to listen to it last night but that just didn't happen very cool I just I was floored by it because I I you know I pride myself about knowing about these things and you know the whole conversation started by us spotting it and me going I've never laid eyes on this because it's it's Steve Austin dressing up in a Santa suit on the cover and it basically looks like he starts out in his underwear yep. with yeah. his bionic parts showing through yeah like he then, just got shot in the arm yeah. And then he's you see him putting on Santa's jacket, and then at the end of it, he's staring at you very creepily as he's putting on the the beard, and it's just <laughs> and bizarre. It's actually, it's actually oh. even worse if you look at these pictures in reverse and picture him standing at the edge of your bed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, it's not right. I'm gonna share a link for the for the guys in the chat here so they can see what uh, what I'm talking I- about. Yeah, I saw it earlier. It's 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 a little creepy, <laughs> and that's coming from Bill. <laughs> <laughs> How the fembot stole Christmas? Oh, sorry. Wow. Yeah. Does it give the what name? Oh, yeah, it does give the name of the, of the, the toy maker. Elves revolt. <laughs> the Kris Kringle caper and Christmas lights. Does this kind of go with the whole uh, Lee Majors in the Scrooge movie when he attacks the North Pole? Oh right? yeah. Oh, okay, Go maybe. Good boy this year, Lee. <laughs> <laughs> and the, uh, what you just read is all that's on the back. They have just the names, no little synopsis. There's a little picture. Like for the Chris Kringle caper, there's a, a I don't know what you would call it, uh, well, those multi-shots of him like at bionic speed punching out the bad guy. For Elves Revolt, there's two elves there looking very upset. They were just caught doing God knows what. Uh, toy maker, he's jumping over a barbed wire fence and Christmas lights. The, there's a rocket ship in the middle of an explosion. So no idea. Just intrigues me even more. <laughs> now I'm I'm seeing here because I actually did an image search on this. I'm seeing that this has had multiple releases. 
because there was another one that was a 79 cent release with a completely different cover. And this really looks like the beginning of Scrooge. Hang on, let me share this image here. But it looks like it's just Elves Revolt is the only story that's in it. But it's really hysterical. You've got one pissed off looking bionic man holding a uh, a toy soldier doll while Santa is <laughs> standing next to him like just like belly laughing or something. It's just wow. That is the two elves that are next to on Santa's Santa's right, our left. That is are the elves in this picture, but like full body standing in the snow on my album. Snow or on the ground? Let me check again. <laughs> they are some unhappy looking. Oh no, elves they're standing too. on the they're standing on the floor. That those toy boxes are around, but the, you can see there you can is see it, more there more of them in it, this picture. Steve, Steve it, looks like he's going to take that wooden soldier and beat the living shit out of Santa. <laughs> is that uh, Peter Houstonoff uh, as a uh, as, As Santa. Santa? Yeah, it does look like it, doesn't it? I'm not sure which one of us spotted this first at, at the uh, convention, but I know when I first saw it, it, it kind of caught my eye because at, on first glance, I thought it might be Neil Adams because I know Neil Adams used to do a lot of these old records, and I had one as a kid with a great cover on it that I'm pretty sure was Neil Adams. And it was, you know, your typical comic style six million dollar man where like his bionics were all showing through his his ripped up skin and everything. But this one here, I don't I don't know who this is. This is not Neil Adams, but yeah, he's got a super creepy face on him. Uh, I don't I know who spotted it first, but I know who walked away with it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I I had no idea that there was ever a, a six million dollar man Christmas album. I'm just I'm both tickled and disturbed by that at the same time. You will learn a lot more about it soon enough. (laughs) (laughs) Was that the only thing that you got for yourself at the... Yep, that was it. Was it it really? I looked for the uh, Universal Monster adaptations by Dark Horse, and I found one. Uh, I don't know which table it was, but it was way overpriced. I mean, like, way, way overpriced, so I I didn't pick that up Hmm. yet. It was because none of those are rare, and they should be in the at least the dollar. I'll, I'll go with the two dollar because they're a few more pages than regular comic, and I think they're like the uh, cardboard backed or whatever you call them, cardboard covers. But right, not not what this guy wanted for it. I was like, oof. Even with the con discount at this guy's table, I was like, no, no way. I think I got one of those when I was in Orlando with you guys when we were shop hopping for for a buck. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah, I got the, Fra- I got the Frankenstein one. Yeah, it sounds yeah, familiar. Okay. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, because I knew I had because I knew what you were talking about, Matt. Because I knew I had seen one before, and I'm like, do I have that, or did, was it just something I've seen? Now, now I remember where I saw it. Yeah, that's right. Because Paul had gotten one. That's I don't right. even know if it was a buck. It might have been in the fifty center. Right. Yeah, and which it should be because they were like they were they weren't super popular. And right. I just missed out on getting them the first time around, and they they sell them on eBay. But you know how comics go on eBay. It's like a dollar for the comic, eight dollars for shipping. Mm, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, th- I figured I'd pick one up for I pick I'd fi- I thought I'd find one or two for a couple bucks not for I think he wanted ten dollars for it I'm like that's wow way overpriced yeah that's that's ridiculous well I'll burn through real quick uh, what I picked up um, got I got some interesting stuff I kind of I've said it here in tears so at the fifty cent level I'm crying I spent uh, <laughs> I spent you should have over one of them yeah some some of them. Uh, I spent a whole dollar at the, uh, or excuse me, two dollars rather at the fifty cent level. I got four books. I got this was the the one that really surprised me. Now it's not in the greatest of shape, 
But I got Action Comics number 384, which is just, you know, it's an issue I did not have. Now, this is the one, if you're familiar with old Action Comics covers, this is the one where Superman is standing in, in front of a fluoroscope that reveals that he's actually wearing another uniform underneath his Superman uniform. And he's going, but I, I, I don't I don't know anything about this costume. And they're all going, yeah, you're guilty, Superman, because the, the, there's a wanted poster in the background that basically says, you know, whoever wears this uniform is wanted for, what does it say, sabotage and murder. So sabotage. never read it. Ah, he beat me to it. <laughs> uh, and then I picked up. That was up, 50 uh, cents? Yep. That's a pretty good buy. That's a pretty good buy. Like I said, I haven't flipped through it. So, I mean, the cover's a little, little beat up, but, I mean, it looks like it's complete and everything. So... Uh, and then also for 50 cents, and they look like they're in pretty much pristine mint. I got three issues that uh, I just didn't have of Warlock and the Infinity Watch. I'm kind of intent to uh, complete this series at some point so I can start working on that. Because I don't know, I, I've, maybe I'm you know wrong or jumping the gun or what, but I predict that one of the things that's probably going to show up in the New Guardians movie is uh, I'm, I'm predicting Adam Warlock is going to be a deal. So... Um, I'm not truly like doing it to speculate, but I figure I kind of get up, need to get up to speed on, uh, on Adam Warlock cause he's never a character I really liked, but I'm willing to give him a chance cause he's also a character I never really knew too much about either. So maybe if I learn a little bit more about him, maybe I'll like him a little bit better. So getting I, to know him, getting to know all <laughs> the, the, key, about the key to him. that is, is to read the Stalin run. If you like the Stalin right. run, then it's worth doing more. If you don't, then you're wasting your time. I actually do have not the original issues, although I do think I have one or two of the originals, but I have the the reprint, the I think it was a Baxter series reprint that they did a number of years ago. I think it was just called Warlock, and it was like a four or six issue. You know what I'm talking about? This was like mm-hmm. back yeah. in the 90s. Well, I know exactly which one you took. Be colored and all that. Yeah, I have that one, um, so I do intend to read that at some point. At the dollar level... Uh, this one may interest Bill. Again, this it looks to be in pretty decent shape. For a buck, I picked up Avengers number 103, where the Avengers are fighting a Sentinel on the cover, and you've got it's also Rich Buckler cover. Is it Rich Buckler? That's Rich Buckler. Oh, yeah, you know and, what? In fact, the interior might be Rich Buckler as well. It didn't really look like it to me until I look at Thor, and you're right. That is definitely a uh, Buckler Thor, but it's funny because Cap looks more like, um, I don't know, like Gil Kane or Bob Brown or something to me, but yeah, I think you're right on that. And this is when Hawkeye was wearing that weird, like, I don't know what the hell he's. Oh, that's that's got the that's that's got the square that's got the square trade on too, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, it does. Was his uh, his welcome to Sherwood phase? Yeah, yeah, very much mm. so. Um, I also uh, got another issue. I think this was the only thing I got that I picked up at the con that was actually on the want list that I took with me. I really did not do very well with completing things off of the actual want list I took with me, although I definitely picked up comics that I needed, uh, you know, that I didn't already have copies of. But this was the only one that I was actively, like, on a list of things I was looking for. Uh, for a buck, I picked up uh, Warlord number 14, and it's actually in really good shape, too. So getting a little bit closer on that Warlord collection... At the $2 level, I only uh, bought one book for 2 bucks, but I could not resist this one because whenever I see these around for not too expensive, I've been promising myself I'm going to pick them up just because I'm intent on having a complete collection. That was uh, Battlestar Galactica number 19. I love the cover on this because all of the artwork takes place within a silhouette of Starbucks profile silhouette. And uh, it just says, not that you missed him, but Starbucks back. And I love this because this was the Walt Simonson era of, uh, of Battlestar Galactica. 
And I've forgotten my proper history, but it's either he came to this right off of the Empire Strikes Back era of, of Marvel Star Wars, or he went to Marvel Star Wars from this. One of the two. But anyway, his artwork during this style is so reminiscent to me of my favorite era of Marvel Star Wars that that's the whole reason I'm buying these. I'm not particularly enamored of Battlestar Galactica, but damn, the art's just fantastic. And it just takes me back to my favorite uh, Marvel Star Wars stuff. So I picked that up. Yeah, because that was what it was like from fifty one, fifty two to in the sixties, something like that. Yeah, he did like a run in there. There was a couple of other fill ins here and there. Yeah, I think, but but yeah. Um, and then also, uh, I've got some magazine sized books for a buck, and I did really good on those. I got three issues of. Do you guys remember Superman and Batman magazine? It was like a yeah. It was it was intended for kids. And this was it's right around almost the... all of this. Hmm. I said, wasn't almost all well, of no, this. Well, I mean, well, it used to be for kids. Also. <laughs> but I mean, you know, this was this was very specifically, you know, like for the younger set. This was right at the time when Batman the animated series was on, you know, playing first run on television, and so it was. Everything was drawn. It was. It was like a magazine, almost like you see. Uh, I don't know if they make the name them. magazine. Oh, well, you know, like when Disney Magazine used to be on the stands, and so there would be comics inside, but there were also like articles for, you know, it was almost like People Magazine for kids type of thing, you know, with little news articles and things like that. And this was actually produced more by by Warner Brothers than it was DC, so there were little news articles and things. But I like these because they do have comic stories in them. And you have to remember, this was the only thing that was existent in the DC, what became the DC animated universe later. The only thing that was in existence at this time was Batman the animated series. But this series, Superman and Batman magazine, actually brought Superman in long before the Superman animated series became a real thing. So you had an animated style Batman, or excuse me, Superman that would team up with Batman, but he was drawn to look kind of. He, he was drawn cartoony style, like this Mike Parabek style, but he looked contemporaneous with the Superman that existed in the regular DC comics at the time. So he had, you know, he had the, the long hair and everything. And I, I just love that stuff. And they, they slowly started to bring in more heroes. And so eventually when they started to do series in DC comics, like adventures in the, in the DC universe and stuff, this, this book really had already set the trend for that. So I got issues uh, two, three, and eight of this, and issue two like brings in the Flash, but again a very like DCAU style artwork of the Flash. It brings in the Atom. Um, I've got some other issues of this already where they brought in uh, like Captain Marvel, but again, you know, in that DCAU style. And several of these are done by um, Mike Parabek, who you know I, I love that guy's art. I wish he was still around. He died way too young. But I've been trying to get a complete collection of these, and I couldn't resist them for a buck, and they were in really good shape. And uh, and then the last thing I got, I picked up a couple of magazines that aren't really comics-related, but uh, I, I just thought they were really cool. I picked up an issue of Future Magazine just because it had a an article in it about uh, Disney and Von Braun's uh, collaboration. And uh, the uh, a Warren Magazine all about Close Encounters of the Third Kind. So, and those were a buck apiece. My only regret was... Uh, the guy that I bought the Future magazine from, he had a big old stack of Future magazines, and they were all just a dollar a piece. 
And I think I even said to Matt at the time, I'm like, I'm going to regret not getting all those. And sure enough, I regret not getting them. <laughs> once I got this one home and started thumbing through it, I was like, damn, this this is a great magazine. I should have bought the other issues for a buck. But I used I, to have I, that uh, Close Encounters one. Did you? Yeah, back when it was new. <laughs> I haven't even taken it out of the bag yet, so I'm hoping I'm hoping it was worth a buck. But I can't imagine I, I won't enjoy it because I, you know, I still love that movie. It kind of kills me. It's becoming quickly like the forgotten Spielberg film, but I still love that movie. Didn't so. you have the Ten Commandments when they were new too? <laughs> yeah. The one nice thing, Doctor Bill, is every time I start to regret that I think I'm too mean to you, <laughs> you, you give me reason to not worry about it so much. That's my job. <laughs> <laughs> and you do it so well. <laughs> so that was that was pretty much the uh, Orlando Toy and Comic Con. We, we had a good time, and I think I spent about fifteen bucks. So not too bad. I did Field get one other uh, one other book, but we're going to talk about that one a little later in the yeah. show. You'll laugh, you'll cry, you'll kiss fifteen bucks goodbye. <laughs> well, that's that's the thing now, though. I'm I'm I've become so incredibly frugal as far as purchasing comics. I yep. just I just can't see spending. You know, you you were talking about uh, you know, eleven hundred dollars for this or something like that. I can't. The only way I could ever see spending significant money on a book is if I thought I was going to make a quick turnaround on it. Mm. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Otherwise, I just want to find you know lightning in a bottle, basically. Yep. What are you, Johnny yeah. Thunder? Yeah, I'm content to be like tearing down a house and find you know action number one stuffed into the wall or something like that. But beyond that, yeah, I can't I can't spend that kind of money. Yeah, and I think we've had this conversation before that you can't afford to hold on to a book if it's worth that much money, you know? Yeah, I agree. And and but to me, you know, comics at this point, uh, you know, if they're not being enjoyed, then I don't want them. Right. And if I can't take it out of the uh, out of the bag and look at it, I can't enjoy it. Right. Right. So then I just don't I don't want to be bothered with it. Then it's it's That's either right. I if think. I can't if I can't take my Avengers and put them on my bed and wait, I'll just stop there. Who wants to take a comic book bath? <laughs> like Scrooge McDuck. I was thinking of uh, was it was it Caesar in the history of the world when he takes the money bath? <laughs> Watch this. <laughs> Work up a little sweat, come off, have just pictures all over your body. <laughs> <laughs> Reverse images. Yeah. It's silly putty man. Oh. I was Every... just gonna say human silly putty man. <laughs> I resemble Everyone's that. body tells a story, but his tells one like you have never read before. <laughs> And we'll never want to read again. <laughs> this story just disappears into a dark hole. Wait. Oh, my God. No. That's his belly button. No. You didn't save it. That was a try. I tried. We all, we all went the other direction. I'm sorry. Whoa. Hey, all right. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I didn't mean to speak for everybody in that one. Maybe I need to have a notice. I need a restraining order for you. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting a little too confident with this, this uh, uh, crap. Lost it. Lost that idea. Dang it. See, it's not just Star Wars and character that happens on. It happens everywhere I go. How much did the uh did what uh, did the con run to get into? Fifteen bucks. Oh. And you spent another fifteen, so you spent thirty? Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, that's you know, now that you put it that way, you made me feel great about the day. Thanks. <laughs> anytime, anytime. Now you put it that way, you suck. <laughs> Hey, I almost drove uh, over, but I was cleaning out. Uh, I was chopping a big hole in the bottom of my sink from fixing the disposal, and oh god, it was horrible. So. That's what happens when you put bodies down it. <laughs> All right. Got, so at this point, I think we might as well get into. I was just going to say, you got the first book, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> That's you, Bill. 
Oh, wait, me? I've got a book? Oh, my God. So you the pressure. Claim. I don't know what to do. Oh, I'm, I'm cracking. That's Film three cracking. for three <laughs> on my appearances for Bill having a book. See? Guys say I never have a book. I've, I always have a book when Matt's here. <laughs> it's just because you're trying to impress him, hoping that he'll he'll take that, get rid of that protective order. And I never have a book so that we can make this as short as possible. That never happens. Yeah, that's true. Good point. All right. I've got the Marvel. I think Scott's got the Marvel, too. Isn't Scott's book a Marvel? No. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Is it? Oh, uh, yeah. well, we can't talk about that one now. <laughs> oh, it is Marvel. You're right. Who would have thought? Yeah, well, well, we could just not do mine and just do Scott's and rip it all night. That's I think like we'll it. spend plenty of time ripping it when you're done with yours. <laughs> oh, I thought you'd like this book. Oh, you mean this is a no? This is this is a no-win situation for anyone that brings a book to this episode with what Scott brought. <laughs> it doesn't matter what you bring; the focus is going to be on Scott's book in the end. <laughs> All right. Well, let's 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 hop, hop into my book, well, and then I, we'll... I hope I don't overshadow Bill's book because I I actually like the book that he brought. I think this is going to be one weird and wacky uh, episode because it's it's so unbalanced. Quite the uh, juxtaposition of uh, right. stories, right? Yeah, there's certainly no connecting fiber between the two. Um, there's other than they're both Marvel women in each one. That's, That's true. true. That's about it. And there's men who more, dress fabulous. Oh no, there's not. I was gonna say there's more women on both covers. There's not. It's an even and, mix on both. And there's mansions. There's mansions and women and scary things. We'll just say we'll just leave it at that. So let's let's get into it. Let's get it on. Oh, that, that that sounded bad. Anyway, <laughs> you are stalling. <laughs> Marvel Comics, Doctor Strange number 60 from cover date August 1983 on sale date May 3rd, 1983. And all this information comes to you from our lovely uh, site guru, all around nice guy, Mr. Mike. Is he lovely? I've never seen him. Is he actually lovely? I mean, he's a nice guy. Don't get me wrong. But is he lovely, though? Isn't he lovely? Is... Oh, anyway. Mike, send us a picture. We need to know if you're lovely, buddy. <laughs> and our uh, on our cover, we have uh, Dracula enters through a broken vault-like door, shrouded in fog, as the Scarlet Witch and Captain Marvel, Monica Rambeau, look on and tend to the fallen Doctor Strange. And Are you sure he's he, not just napping? He, or maybe he's faking. He's thinking maybe one of these 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 women will give me CPR. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Look into my eye of Maga. Look into my. Well, I'm just starting to turn into Lando. Well, hello, ladies. <laughs> what have we here? The writer of our story is Roger Stern, penciler Dan Green, inker Terry Austin, letterer Janice Chang, colorist Bob Sharon, editor Al Milgram. And the title of our story is Assault on Avengers Mansion, and not salt, as in putting salt. Putting a salt. It's a salt. As it night does falls, taste better with salt on Avengers Mansion, though. Just tastes delicious. Maybe a little pepper and paprika. Yeah. As night falls across New York City, rabble rousers and ne'er do wells are gathered are gathered up ugh, are gathered up and brought to a location where a cult is waiting for the master to arrive. More members are needed, and the newbies are terrified when Dracula appears before them. Meanwhile, the Scarlet Witch is relaxing, reading a book by candlelight. So hot. Did I mention hot? Oh. In her home in Leona, New Jersey. I'm going to have to look that address up. 
when Doctor Strange's astral form stops by for a visit. Cue porn music. Oh, no, 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 no. Sorry, actually, he's looking for a book called The Dark Hole. And Wanda was the last person to use it. But in reality, it used her, and the book now resides in the Avengers Vault at the mansion. Doctor Strange tells her that Dracula is seeking the book and to meet him there. Even before Wanda is able to phone Jarvis to expect Doctor Strange, Stephen is already there in his astral form and finds the book and begins to read it to discover why Dracula seeks it. Dracula, meanwhile, meets with his cult members to discuss how to gain entry to Avengers Mansion and wants to avoid tangling with some of them, especially Thor. Because he had recently, uh, actually in the book we covered not too long ago for Halloween, uh, that was when he last tangled with them. What was that Thor 333, 334? Yep, 333, an AIM operative under Dracula's thrall reveals a submarine pin under the mansion that doesn't appear to be used anymore. Doctor Strange has returned to his sanctum, where Sarah Wolf and Wong have been waiting. Vampire detective Hannibal King joins them and tells Strange that the streets are empty of all the usual gangs and winos and Foster Brooks. Before they can discuss this further, the orb of Agamotto... I was going to do my Domo Arigato Mr. Agamotto joke here, but I guess I just did. (laughs) Glows telling Strange of any current hotspots of vampiric power, and right now, that spot is the Avengers Mansion. At the mansion, an army of two- and four-legged vermin attack in mass, trying to overwhelm the defenses. Some succeed and are able to enter. Inside, Jarvis waits to repel the invaders. Captain Marvel comes to his aid. Outside, Doctor Strange and Hannibal King arrive... Oh, sorry, I was going to do a joke about, uh, what's his name, but I forgot his name. <laughs> Bill Cosby. Billy Jean King? No, no, no. That guy that's going to play Deadpool, because he played him in uh, the Blade movie. I'm losing Ryan it. Reynolds? Thank you, but I don't know what joke I was going to have, so I'm going to move on. <laughs> uh, the joke is, what is the name of the actor that Bill can't remember? Exactly. It's not a good joke, it, but that's it. It, it, it fell flat. <clears throat> and Hannibal King arrive and battle Dracula's minions. Dracula, however, has come in through the outdoor via the underwater entrance and breaks in. No That's raspberry beret joke? <laughs> now, well, has this Witch been would used wear... since Avengers 3 and 4? That's what I want to know. Because if not, that's quite the callback, and I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, because that wasn't where they... That's where they went and they had the sub that got capped. Right, yeah. See, I... By no means am I a, a, an Avengers expert, but in my experience, I don't remember them ever using that sub again, except for Avengers 3 and 4 when they found Cap. So Did you I'm just one- say you're by no means an Avengers expert, but you co-host the Avengers Spotlight? <laughs> well, I didn't say semi- that. Semi-occasionally. <laughs> so. I was going to say next time I do an Avengers Spotlight, I was going to look up the, the submarine pin in my index book for it. But anyway... <clears throat> That's true. I mean, I'm no means a Star Wars expert. Actually, my show goes and proves that, so <laughs> there you go. Actually, Chris would be the Star Wars expert because you gave him that encyclopedia that he never... Ooh, ooh I'm sorry. I know. Yeah, it holds doors open, though. It's quite weighty. <laughs> it's a big coaster for like five or six drinks. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> I would just like to say that if you had given that to me, I'd read it all the time, Matt. I'm sure you would. Because I've got the single one that came out a long time ago, and I read that in the John all the time. Anyway. <laughs> And my mental image is ruined for the night. Oh, you just stabbed me right in my third eye. Just the, <laughs> poke your fin- just the three stooge poke right in the eye. Right in the eye of Agamotto? Agamotto. <laughs> the eye of Scott Amato. 
cut him out. The Scarlet Witch arrives and uses her power to take out the invaders. They all regroup, and Doctor Strange asks if there is any other way Dracula could enter the mansion since he does not seem to be here. Deep underground, Dracula rises from the water only to be confronted by Strange and two more Doctor Stranges. What the fuck? The three Stranges use their vaudeville powers <laughs> to hold Dracula at bay. Oh, he wait, does not, sorry. however, do the Indian rope trip. Uh, for which I was actually very thankful because uh, I don't know if you saw my post on... Uh, you killed my joke, man! The joke uh, was going to uh, be, sorry. oh wait, sorry that was the Three Stooges. <laughs> it's sorry. You, sorry. Oh. This is why the I only don't send your synopsis to the group. So. so The only joke Bill remembered. Oh, I had that written in my synopsis. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote a synopsis this time. Wow. Anyway. Meanwhile, the real doctor very well organized. Then we can tell. Meanwhile, the real Doctor Strange. Hey, what do you mean? This is better than when I wing it. The real Doctor Strange is trying to deal with the Darkhold so that Dracula won't get it. That sounds horrible. He loses his concentration, and the three Stranges are revealed to be Mo, Larry. Oh, wait, no, wait. I mean Wanda, Monica, and Hannibal. Dracula shakes them off and locates the Darkhold. Before he can grasp it, though, Stephen Strange has he Strange finishes his spell and the book disappears. Dracula attacks Strange, but Captain Marvel generates the light of the sun to drive the Prince of Darkness back. Wanda tells Dracula that an emergency broadcast has been sent to the other Avengers, and Dracula, being a big prissy bat, doesn't want to get in a fight with the other Avengers, beats feet, and has his Darkhold cult teleport him away. Later, as Hannibal and Strange leave the mansion, Hannibal asks why Dracula sounded like he was still going to get the book. Wasn't it destroyed? Strange tells him that the book was too powerful to be done away with so quickly, so he teleported it away, basically hiding it in plain sight around other evil objects, hopefully masking its presence in Baron Mordo's empty castle in Transylvania. And that is next where they must go. Next issue, the origin of vampirism is revealed in Power Be the Prize. And that is that. You guys can just rip my synopsis all no, apart. Good, I was just going to say, good synopsis. <laughs> it was a good synopsis. Khan didn't show up once. It was really... <laughs> Khan! <laughs> I had forgotten the art in here, and it reminded me... I was like, I'm looking at it. I'm like, I know I've seen this artist before, because these the figures of the women, especially Wanda on the opening pages, reminded me of uh, Rogue somewhat. Yeah. And then it hit me, Dan Green was the inker for John Romita Jr. when he was doing yep. the X-Men. Yep. And I really see here how Green was like, I, I, I don't want to say holding back, but at least he was really imposing his will on Romita's pencils in those. Because I, I can really, because here these are his pencils, but Austin doesn't overpower Green, but I could see to where Green was overpowering Romita. Uh, at least that's just my, my opinion. I don't know, are... You guys are familiar with those. Uh, Matt, you may not be. Yeah, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> I uh, I agree with you, but I don't think that's a bad thing because... Oh, no, no. I'm I'm not saying it was bad because I do like those books. I mean, I don't, I'm not really fond of some of his more recent stuff, but uh, I did like it back then, and I think it was a good right. a good combo with the two of them. We, we've talked many times in the past about how, you know, Ramita Jr. is a good artist, but when he gets a little too stylistic or when he works too quickly, mm-hmm. his, his art suffers for it. Yeah. So, so he really needs a strong anchor to kind of keep him, you know, keep, keep him on, on point. And uh, 
So I, I could see where Dan Green imposing his, his will would be a good thing. I look at the art in this, and it kind of reminds me, you know, like uh, two-thirds Paul Smith and one-third Marshall Rogers. Yeah, I will totally agree with that. So, and, and that's I, – I don't – I don't think anybody would take that as an insult. Mm-mm. I'm trying to see. I was pretty sure that that Dan Green had done some work on Marvel Star Wars, but I'm not seeing that. But I often get him confused with Gene Day for some strange reason. So, well, I don't know the shot where Wanda has her her hands up to her lips with looking over her her shoulder on page four. That kind of looks like a shot we might have seen from Leia in Marvel Star Wars. Right. Yeah, I was thinking that he had done some work for for Marvel Star Wars, but I'm not I'm not seeing it in his uh I'm looking at his body of work here on Mike's Amazing World and Ah, the Scarlet it's... Witch reading a book by candlelight. Mm. Yeah, that is that is pretty <laughs> cool, but you know, I mean, she could have just as easily have been on the crapper or something, you know, when, when <laughs> you know, Doctor Strange comes just, you know, right. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What's, you know, what's up with her? I mean, I've seen it done many times, so I know it's part of the character model. But what's up with the, like, overly pink body? It's supposed to be a body stocking. Yeah. It, but, but there's no, the... yeah, there's no definite cut line in it. Like if you look in many shots, it just ends on her throat. That's what I was gonna say. It seems to no, know yeah, how to they how they wanted to end this or make like, a scene or what they want to do. Yeah. yeah, but like a little, just one little black line would have been enough to to show the end of it. But it's not there. So if she did have to go to the crapper, it would be a real pain in the butt. Oh, geez, yeah, that's like, <laughs> all that down. Oh man. So she lays Let's... on the floor with candles. I don't. I don't know why. See, that is not how. Uh, that's not how John Byrne had had drawn it. I don't know if you've ever seen that famous picture of her hiking up her bustier there by Byrne, and but yeah, he did not do it as a body stocking. It was, you know, it was her skin, and then the, uh, you know, basically like the swimsuit and the and the gloves and the boots and everything else mm-hmm. was her skin. So, and I think other artists have done her that way too. So it's it's a little inconsistent. Mm. <laughs> It's but I've definitely like, seen that body stocking look from other artists. Oh, I was going to say, it's almost like in this, the colorist was coloring it and went, oh, crap. Like when, she, <laughs> when he got to the neck, like, this isn't a body right. stocking. <laughs> just stop right here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nobody will notice. <laughs> Some guys in a show 30 years from now. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that picture. Oh, yeah. yeah I, need a, I yeah, need a I'm few gonna, minutes to myself. I'm going to save that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll save this for later. Look at the way her eyes are. It looks like she never saw what's there before. Right. <laughs> Where did these come from? <laughs> She's just echoing the average reader. Believe it Here or not, me. I got that picture off of Facebook. Oh, really? Oh, that one made it past the censor thing on Facebook? Mm. I do not know, but that's right. Boy, I got. Matt's going to have a lot of explaining to do later. <laughs> He's going to have, oh, Barbie, and oh, my God, what the? They can do an entire episode of Third Degree Burn on this one picture. <laughs> Just saying. I could do an entire 30 seconds on it. Oh. Oh. Ah, uh, oh, yeah, the book. Sorry. Um, Dracula looks in some sp- shots he's he's rather imposing looking and others he looks just kind of drugged <laughs> like uh, like the opening um like in the o- o- opening shots when he's got the yellow eyes it looks like his mustache you know, like somebody shaved the center of his mustache there on his lip <laughs> like whoop ah, when he wasn't looking somebody snuck in right got, yeah got the no, reverse hitler yeah <laughs> nobody'll notice reverse hitler pits of darkness my ass 
Yeah, it, it is. It's a tad inconsistent, but overall, I, I do like. Oh it. no! O- overall, it's good. There's a couple little things, but uh, yeah, I I like it when he's coming out out of the water in in the pin. You know, he's got the water dripping from his cloak and everything, and his hair is all. It's nice that his hair is all matted. You know, you can. He's actually just came out from the water. Well, here's the thing with that is that I love that image. I think it's really really cool, and this is what kind of pains me about this issue a little bit is. I really like this issue and I adore Roger Stern. He's one of, if not my favorite comic book writer, he's definitely one of my favorites. And I thought this was a really good story. This whole arc of Dr. Strange is one of the few Dr. Strange uh, story arcs I've ever read completely because I always liked Strange's battles with Dracula. And I actually own this whole arc and, and I've read it before and I really enjoy it. However, reading this story again after many years, there were a couple of things that I noticed with this and, you know, that, that kind of hit that nitpicker button. And I bring this up now because that image of Dracula coming out of the water. Now, it's my impression that part of vampire lore is that vampires cannot cross running water on their own steam. That's why often you will see in old movies Dracula's always on a ship or something coming to America. Like, like my favorite version of Dracula is the 79 one with Frank Langella. Mm-hmm. That's why he's on the ship, because he can't cross the ocean by himself under his own power. Doesn't, well, Neil, one, doesn't Neil Diamond sing something in that? <laughs> Sorry. In this one, not only is he crying, I mean, he actually dives into, what is this? Uh, yeah, but he's not he's crossing swim- running water. He's swimming in it. Right, but I mean that yeah. should destroy him. Except maybe. Well, why would running water destroy what if, him? But what if again, while he's swimming across? Swim what, what if while he's swimming across, you have a priest come over and bless it, and make it holy water? There you go. Ah! End of him. Done. So I mean that that's a minor thing. But here's the question I really do want answered. Now I don't know a hell of a lot about His Hannibal t- King, but isn't Hannibal King a full vampire? He's not a half vampire, is he? Well, he's just never tasted blood. Right, but I mean, so he is a vampire, correct? Not like, say, Blade. Is Blade is like a, he's like a? Well, Blade, Blade was born a vampire because his mother was a vampire. Right, so but that's he's why he's the like, daywalker. He, yeah, exactly. See, he's not like full vampire. He's, I, I guess, you'd classify him as like a half vampire or something like that. But I thought Hannibal King was an actual vampire. So if he's a vampire, I don't understand why Dracula can't command him. Because I think sometimes in these stories that the writers seem to forget or ignore that Dracula is not just a vampire. He's the king of his people. He should be able to command all of them, and they're all under his thrall. That was one of the things that used to bug me about Blade, but then I got to thinking, well, if Blade is the whole Daywalker thing, then maybe that's the kind of no prize for why he's not under Dracula's thrall. But King, if King's a full vampire, then Dracula should be able to command him. So the part where he and King are actually tussling didn't make a hell of a lot of sense to me. Or actually, is it even King? Well, I mean, he, he just, yeah, because they were. Yeah, it is. Yeah, because King's got him in that in that chokehold on page, uh, what is it, 14 or 19, rather. So it's like I, I that just bugged me. Yeah, and again, it's nitpicky. But again, if, if King is really a vampire, then it doesn't seem like he should be able to do that. He shouldn't well, be able to drop on Dracula. I mean, the only out I would say is is what he mentions on page nine because he says because Strange asked him. He said, "How long have you been a vampire?" And he says, four going on five years." Um, but he says that he never sank his teeth into any living thing. Right. So, uh, 
It's been, it's been a long time since... See, I, I got interested in the whole vampirism thing in the Marvel Universe from reading um, Ohatmu back in the day with the Book of right. the Dead. Because at that right. time, Dracula was dead. And that's when I learned about this whole arc. Because this is the thing with the Montesi formula, right? Where Strange right, yeah. reads it from the Darkhold and destroys right. all the vampires on yep. the Earth. Yep, and I think that's within the next couple of issues that that happens. Yeah, he does. He destroys them all for a time. Yeah, but then I guess they undo. Somebody undoes it later, right? Well, they yeah. He always comes back. But yeah, this this is good stuff. This is a really good story arc. And like I say, it, that was that was you know nitpicky. I didn't you know it didn't diminish the story for me or anything. I still really like uh, uh, you know this particular story arc. And I've I've long wanted to seek out um, all of Stern's run because I've heard good things about the entire run. That the whole thing is really good, and it's one of the few. Um, Roger Stern works that I don't own um, start to finish. I've got pretty much everything else he's ever done because I think he's a fantastic writer. Um, but this one here has just kind of eluded me over the years. I've, I've picked up issues here and there out of you know the back issue bins and the Dracula one just happens to be the one where I do actually have all the um, Dracula appearances in, in Doctor Strange stories. I, I just like I always like that because they they just always made somehow they always made good foils for each other. I always thought that was really cool. It was one of the time that the whole mystic bullshit element of uh, of Doctor Strange actually worked for me. So mystic bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> I like the uh, the next to the last page uh, with Wanda there in the second panel. I just like that picture. She looks so like she's not going to take Dracula's crap. She's like you know go ahead if we fail. Our teammates are coming right behind us. So if you don't want to tussle with us, the rest of them will be here in just a few minutes. Uh, gotta go. See ya. Teleport me away. Dark holders, take me away. Big chicken. He doesn't want to fight Thor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, now I see what you were talking about, Bill. Ryan Reynolds played Hannibal King in uh, in the Blade movie. Okay, now mm -hmm. I kind of see what you were talking about. All right. I've actually never seen those. I've heard mixed things about them. Would you recommend them? I like the first one. Uh, the second one was uh, all right, too. I thought the second one was better than the first one. Hmm. The third one is where it kind of comes down a peg, and it's... Yeah. Uh, let's, you know, let's be clever. Does Drac ever show up in any of those? Yes, yeah, technically, yeah. One. In the third one, yeah. Oh, cool. I may have a, to seek that out now. There's a Count Chocula joke in there, too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, does and, he count? That would be awesome. If you, oh, I'm thinking of the Count no, no, Sesame no. Street. That would be awesome. <laughs> Yeah, the second one is is uh, it's kind of weird. It's it's got Ron Perlman in it too. He Blade oh, has to Ron Perlman. Blade has to team up with a. There's like a bigger. There's a threat to like everything. There's there's these creatures that actually feed on vampires as well, and yeah. so like he has to team up with like a vampire hit squad. And what's funny is one of the guys in the vampire hit squad. I don't know if you ever watched uh, Red Dwarf, as the guy that played the cat, Danny John Jules. Yeah, he's yeah. one of the guys in the in in the Vampire Hit Squad as well. You say that, and for some reason, I keep thinking of the Drac Pack. You remember the Drac Pack? God, I wish uh, I had that back. I love that. It was like the kids of the Universal Monsters. It was oh, okay. It was. It was. I'm sure it was crap, but as a kid, I loved it. I thought it was awesome. So, they were like hip teens. Anybody else have any thoughts on the book? <laughs> Jeez. Well, uh, Scott at the and bottom. I are just or just you know blah 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 blah. Page eight of the bottom dude looks like Roddy Piper. That's the only thing I have to contribute. <laughs> yes, he does. You're gonna chew bubble gum. Yes, thick vampire ass. 
all out of bubble. Yeah, well, yeah the, the art is, the faces often are inconsistent because that panel directly above Roddy Piper right there, that looks like a Ditko Doctor Strange. And then the one that he's oh, the one all the way at the top, top where his no, 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 back into him. In the third panel on page eight right there, that close-up of Strange's face, that looks like Ditko Doctor Strange. There's, there's a few shots that look like Ditko yeah. throughout the book. But then the one that Roddy Piper's actually talking to in the exact same panel, that looks more like Brett Blevins or something right there, I think. Mm. So, yeah, it's, it's a little inconsistent. But, I mean, still, it's not bad. I mean, I, I do I do like it. Hated it. Uh, maybe, I think part of the problem <laughs> might be that uh, I'm not sure that... Uh, that uh, Dan Green and uh, and Terry Austin are are a, a great match for each other. Mm-hmm. I don't know. What do you think? I don't know. It almost looks like in. The, do you think from? It's almost like from maybe page eight through a few pages in the middle, somebody else did the book. Yeah, it does, I just it's that you mentioned that. Yeah, yeah. And until you get back to like page fourteen, then it seems like it picks back up with them again. I, I don't know. It just looks weird a little bit. Yeah, right. It's very possible. Very possible. I did like this though. I thought it was cool. I like to see. Uh, I like to see Dracula shown as a as a genuine badass, and he's he's pretty badass in this. Although once again, he gets stymied. You know, every once in a while, I want these Dracula stories to end with Drac victorious, and he's he's. I think every one of the Dracula stories we've covered. Stymied? What? On, what did the little gets... rascals come in or something? <laughs> you know. Oh, hey, buckwheat. <laughs> oh, hey, Dracula. We have we have members of the He Man Woman Hater, the He Man Dracula Haters Club. The, the problem with Dracula coming out victorious at the end is everybody else should be dead then. <laughs> Their neck snapped, blood. I'm dripped. all right with that. I mean, come on, this was this was Scarlet Witch, Captain Marvel, and Doctor Strange. Don't particularly give a rat's ass about any of them. So hey, yeah, I'm right with that, knock <laughs> Man, what's up with that? The disposable Avengers. <gasps> For shame. <laughs> Shame. But she, make, but she can make sunlight. Come on, what the hell is Monica Rambeau doing these days? She's, uh... She was in... She, I don't... I know she was back just prior to Secret Wars. I don't know what the hell is going on after Secret Wars, so... Who is she? Okay. She's like Photon or something now? She was Photon, but no, I think she took... I don't remember what <laughs> she her name took changed. a seat, now she's Futon. Futon. <laughs> <laughs> that... Oh, that would be my superpower. Form of a futon. <laughs> Form of a beanbag chair. Hey. Form of a job of the hut beanbag chair. Oh, <laughs> oh that was back. the last episode. It's okay. <laughs> We've already. It's all right. It's okay, Matt. Thanks for caring. It's all right. Uh, grade this thing already. You always hurt the ones you love. I know. Or, or Bill. <laughs> or, or, or me. Yeah, okay. Uh, the cover. I love the cover. Yep. I like. Dracula coming out of the mist with the cape just dominating the, the picture. I like the full body shot of Wanda. Wow. Oh, wait, what the hell was that? That didn't come out right. Wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, hey, even Ca- Captain Marvel looks good in there and that form fitting thing she's wearing because Doctor Strange seems to like it too. Mm-hmm. So um, the cover, I'm going to give the cover an A for awesome. <laughs> Just because. Because I like this book. Uh, the interior art, while a little bit inconsistent, uh, it, I'm still going to grade it a little high because I do like some of the better uh, Dan Green portions. 
or the the ones that stick out more as Dan Dan Green, even though he supposedly did do the whole book. Uh, I'm going to give it a B. And the story, I'm going to give the story itself a B plus. So that would be like a overall B plus, A minus for me. Cool. Next. I'll go next. Um, I'm going to I agree on the cover. I think it's an A cover. I really, really like this, especially how Dracula looks. He looks he looks menacing. And I like that. That's that's a good cover. And uh, it's funny because, like I say, the other three characters eh, don't particularly care for <laughs> the three of them. But it, it, it really is a dynamic uh, cover. And I, I love the use of color uh, in the foreground of the picture. So, yeah, that really works for me. Uh, and here are, uh, I'm going to go with a B. It would be an A if it was a little more consistent in the character model faces and everything. But it does, they do change greatly from panel to panel. It's, it almost does give the appearance of, of different artists. It almost looks like a many hands project in a lot of ways. And uh, the two worst ones are... The two main characters, Doctor Strange and Dracula, they're inconsistent often from panel to panel. So, yeah, that, that's a little distracting. But overall, though, I, it's, you know, it's dynamically laid out and there's a lot of the action scenes I really, really like, especially um, even though I have quibbles with it. The whole thing with Dracula going into the East River and uh, prying open the pod well, bay doors. Hell, so is, the, like that. is the East River really considered water? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's how he's getting around it. Yeah. Um, as far as the story goes, uh, I'm going to give it a straight up A. It'd be an A plus, except for my couple quibbles where I think that uh, Stern was kind of playing fast and loose with vampire lore. But beyond that, uh, I mean, it's a solid story, and uh, and I like this whole this whole arc is fantastic. So yeah, I liked it a lot. And anytime they bring the Darkhold into the whole thing, I always like that because I was I'm always fascinated by the whole story with the Darkhold. I always thought that was kind of a neat and uh, and novel concept. Uh, no pun intended. <laughs> so overall, I'd say, what does that come out to? I'd say uh, uh, D for Dracula. Uh, hmm? D for Dracula. <laughs> so yeah, good book. Good choice. Good bill. Yay. <laughs> All right, Matt, do you want to go or do you want me? Yeah, I'll go quick. I don't have much more to add than what everyone just said. The cover is cool. That is cool. I have to agree with you guys that it's an A cover. It's uh, very intriguing. Actually, Makes you wonder, makes me, I should say, wonder was on the inside. Um, far as the art, it, yeah, it does. I, actually, I don't think I was really captivated by the art in the beginning, but it's not bad. And I didn't really notice any inconsist- inconsistencies as, uh, well, I read through it very quickly, though. That might be why, um, until you started pointing them out. But I'll, I'll still go with, uh, I guess I'll give it a, a B, maybe a B minus, because I actually didn't really like it, but I didn't dislike it. I do like the title page, though, the one that has the title of the cover uh, with the candlelight and Doctor Strange and his ghost form. I actually I really like that picture alone. And uh, as far as the story goes, I, I'll tell you I, what I know about Doctor Strange up to this point. I could have wrote on the back of a stamp. <laughs> I know nothing about him. And is his look always put me off. It just didn't seem like anything I'd be interested in. So to finally have to uh, go through a Doctor Strange story, found it surprisingly interesting and entertaining. So I'm actually going to give that an A as well because I had, it's my first real exposure to Dr. Strange and I, I liked it despite Bill's synopsis. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess that comes out to about, I'll say about, a, I'll, I'll give it, I'll, I'll round it out to an A minus. I that B minus threw things off. I'll say A minus overall. That's, that's what I'll give it. When is the Dr. Strange movie coming out? Yeah. I have to admit uh, when I saw summer? his, him speaking, I heard Benedict 
Cumber, whatever his name is, Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, I like the cover. I like it a lot, in fact. Uh, but I'm not sure if I'm quite as high on it as you guys. I feel like a minus. Just not quite there. I don't know. Uh, really good, solid. I would buy the book based on it. In fact, I did buy the book. So uh, I think it's a really good cover. And there's just something about it that keeps it from being a total A. So I'm going A- minus on that. Uh, the interior art, yes, the faces are inconsistent. But I think it's really, it moves along well. I think there's some images that are really solid. Like I said, for me, it's almost like a... A combination of Paul Smith and Marshall Rogers, which you know I, I find to be two really good artists. So I'm going to say I'm going to say an A minus on the interior art as well. The story is kind of cool. It's interesting. You feel like you read something substantial, although it's not you know earth shattering or earth or universe changing. Uh, but you know, just a solid story. So I'm going to say I'm going to go A minuses all around, all three A minus, and that'll average out to a C. <laughs> November fourth, uh, twenty sixteen, according to the oh, really? internet. Oh, this yeah. holiday, huh? Yeah. Election day or close to election day? Oh, that is, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, vote ah, it's somewhere around there. Vote strange. <laughs> That's probably what the election is going to be anyway. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God! I just oh, I just what? learned something that just crushed me. Oh, oh no! The cover of my book is oh, drawn no. by Amanda Connor. Who was at the con yesterday? What? Wah, wah. Are you serious, man? Huh. Yeah, well, they're Florida natives. Yeah, this is. Very yeah, they'd probably be at my free comic book day, or, yeah, or well, Florida uh, residents. I don't, not natives. Yeah, they might come to. Uh, <laughs> no one's a Florida native. Bay. Yeah, this is very. My true. kids are. Oh, that's true. Yep. <sighs> oh well. Anyway, <laughs> are we ready for the next book? Yeah, you might as well hit us with it. All right. No, but let's get to it. Did you not like my book? I can't say I ever would have picked up your book without you to force it on us. Here's the thing. So uh, this was also uh, a score yesterday at the uh, Orlando Toy and Comic Con. Now, this was not on any want list of mine or anything like that, but I have really or anyone anywhere ever. <laughs> Are you sure have, this wasn't on your? This isn't like like in the park somewhere, so you had no, to get it not, for that. Not that I'm aware of, but I I have been aware of the existence of the book for a while because I. So here's the thing, Scott. Do you have an announcement to make for the fans? <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the thing: is that you know I I collect comics where. Uh, the Disney parks are represented in the stories. And most of those are Disney comics, you know, but there are a few where where particular characters from, you know, uh, um, several different companies have gone to Disney parks. I know that there's a, a, an, a story in, Oh God, what was that Marvel anthology book in the, in the nineties? The one that was uh, Marvel presents. Pre- was it presents? Yeah, Marvel. Yeah, that's what. Yeah, Mar- well, Marvel, Marvel Comics presents. presents. Yeah, it was. Uh, there was a story where uh, where Iron Man was was he got into a fight and wound up at I think it was Disneyland. But anyway, you know, anytime that uh, that comic characters go to a, a Disney park, I just I, I just think that's cool, and I, I try to collect them as I find out about them. And I had chanced across this one on like, I don't know, like a Google image search or something like that a a couple of years ago. So I was aware that it was out there and it was just one of those things where, 
eh, you know, I, I didn't really have that much interest in it. It was always like, eh, you know, if I ever see it in a 50 cent bin, I'll, I'll probably pick it up type of thing. And the very first table that Matt and I stopped at yesterday, they had uh, a couple of um, short boxes full of Disney comics. So I was digging through there, actually looking for completely different things. And I chanced across this. I'm like, huh, what do you know? It exists. You know, this is the first time I'd ever actually seen it real life. And the guy wanted three bucks for it, which was two dollars and fifty cents more than I wanted to spend for it. But it was just the novel of the thing. I was like, you know, here it is. It's in my hand. And it was the first purchase of the day. I'm like, all right, what the heck? I'll I'll risk three bucks on it and make all the fun you want. But I'm actually glad that I picked it up because I, and I'll, and I'll tell you why. So here's the thing. All right. So what we are looking at here, strap in, folks. We are going back to that, that's February. a wrong choice of phrase on this book. <laughs> We are going back to February Strap of on. 1995. <laughs> for... Strap on. Stop it. Strap off. Well, you said make fun of it as much as you want. That's what we're doing. There goes the option of this being a, a, a cross promotion with earning my ears, but okay. Um, <laughs> oh, you yeah. invited a guy from Neozes. What did you I got expect to, to happen? Say, <laughs> I got something to say about the cover before we even get into the book. So but He hasn't right even said ahead. the title I yet. I haven't said what it is oh, yet. I know, I know. I'm just waiting. I'm waiting. <laughs> So this was on sale December 13th of 94, and this is, drumroll please, Barbie number 50. Special double-sized 50th issue, Walt Disney World Resort Holiday is the, is the, well, is that actually the, no, that is not the title of the story, but that's what it says on the cover. And on the cover, you have Barbie and her friends are uh, actually spinning in the uh, in the teacups. And the, just, the, just, I'm going to interrupt you for just a second. For everybody who've just heard what Scott's book is and is tuning out, we'll see you next week. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody else, just stay along for the ride. Hang uh, on, folks. Uh, so, I want to know what's more surprising about that reveal, that Scott bought a Barbie comic or that there are 49 issues before this one. <laughs> and that he paid $3 for it. Yeah. <laughs> actually, I think I have Barbie number one. I bought for my daughter years ago. Uh-huh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh-huh. So the cover is by Amanda Connor, who, as I just said, was at the con yesterday. Oh, man, I wish. Are I you know. Amanda Connor? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, inked by Jeff Albrecht. Again, this is I'm getting all this off of uh, Mike's Amazing World. The writer on the story, I'm only covering just the one story in this one. What? And, oh, see you later. Christmas Gator. Nope, nope, nope. Just the one. So the one that we are taking a look at is the first uh, story in the book, the cover featured uh, story in the book called Barbie in the Great Walt Disney World Challenge. It's written by Lisa. Whoa, 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 what? Whoa, whoa. whoa. All right. On a cover. You, okay. you just glossed right over this cover. All right. What is going on in the teacup on the right behind Barbie? What did that woman grab that made those ears fly off that guy's head? <laughs> And he looks is very concerned. Little, what is that poor little kid looking at going, oh, my God. He's got a, <laughs> I need an adult face. <laughs> I'm more disturbed by the kid in the Charlie Brown shirt in the other teacup. It's like, no, no, no. Wear a proper theme park shirt. When you're in Disney, wear a Disney shirt. In university, wear a Universal shirt. What is this with wearing the – who is it that even owns the Peanuts characters? That's uh, it's like Six Flags or something, right? Or one of those. That's like the, that's a uh, oh, it's the um, the Great other oddball one. Northern, yeah, whatever. That yeah, is. The, whoever owns the Great America parks, and it might yeah. be Great America. Oh. Oh. Fail, total fail with that kid. 
Plus, he's got Dagwood. You're failing. <laughs> You're puking. <laughs> Spinning on the teacup. So, well, you know that it's funny you say that because I meant to point that out that uh, they are actually on one of the uh, very few attractions I have never ridden. <laughs> oh, you've never <laughs> been on those? Wow. Never been on the teacups. Probably never will. I just yeah, you don't want to get on it with people with strong arms because well, <laughs> wow, man, they'll whip I you around. Literally, do not have the stomach for that. So, yeah, I I'm used to. Ironic. I don't think I could now. <laughs> Ironically, I think that might be the first ride I've ever been on in Disney World when I was first here when I was 10 years old. Really? It's at least the first one I remember riding. Hmm. I may have ridden it as a kid. If I did, I don't remember it, but I've never ridden it as an adult. And I again, If you can get on it, Scott, and not be with people who are jerks and just not spin it and just sit there and enjoy it, you could probably do it. But if somebody grabs it I and starts just, spinning that thing, wow. Just the motion alone. I then think. you don't want to go on with me because I'm the jerk that spins the hell out of these things. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, what's the use of going on a spinning ride if you're not going to spin? Right, yeah. Right. Right. Oh, wait a minute, you're on the spinning ride and you're spinning it. You're a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, if you just want to get on and enjoy the ride, but, you know, not the extra spin factor. Then you get on with the 90-year-olds. Yeah. <laughs> this is assuming the attendants let Bill on in the first place. Oh. Oh, I'm sorry. Hey, I think that I can get in a teacup. He might, he might get on the ride and he never gets off. <laughs> he gets on the teacup and gets fall. I'm like, sorry, you're going to have to find another cup to get in. I break the teacup. <laughs> sorry, sir. I get the jaws of life to get you out of your teacup. So the writer on this is Lisa Trusiani, I'm going to say. Sure. Uh, we, we're going back to the synopsis? What? I said, you're getting back to the synopsis? Yes. Oh, I, I, I thought we were done. I thought we were rating it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. Be fair. It's not that bad as it will turn out, or at least I'm going to try to make the case that it's not <laughs> that bad. So uh, Lisa Trusiani <clears throat> is, the, is the writer on this. Penciler is Anna Maria Cool. I'm wondering if that's a real name. She's a Inker. At least I have heard of the Inker. There's somebody on this book I've heard of, which is Trina Robbins. Uh, and I'm not going to go into the other uh, credits on this because there's really no point. So we open in this book and we have Barbie. And she's actually holding some sort of, it's called uh, the Magical World of Barbie show at Epcot Center. So that's actually pretty cool. And, uh, oh, breaks my heart. You she needs to get her butt off that vintage Corvette. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's a hands on the car contest. Her ass is on the car. <laughs> <laughs> on page two, you actually see, uh, Monorail Purple. Oh, Miss Monorail Purple. You see Monorail Purple, uh, actually passing through, uh, Future World in front of Spaceship Earth, which is pretty cool. Stripes the whole in the wrong that... position, but that's okay. What's that? Stripes in the wrong position. Yeah, yeah, I noticed that too. They have it along the bottom, like a, like a Disneyland monorail, but that's okay. As it turns out, we're gonna find a number of errors in the uh, <laughs> yeah. presentation of Walt Disney World in this book. The, uh, I just but... noticed the Epcot, the uh, Spaceship Earth, it's like one of those patterns you draw in high school when you're bored out of your skull at the lecture. Well, you know like what it you is. You draw it on your cover of your book. It looks like Hubert. Put Hubert yeah, on yeah, it. Yeah, there you go. That's it. That's Put it. Put Hubert <laughs> on it, and it's perfectly natural. Yeah. It's much more Hubert than the actual uh, tiles on Spaceship. Plus, it looks like a number of tiles fell off or something, it's too. Time to open Photoshop and make this one better. <laughs> So the uh, the show is uh, coming to an end, it looks like, and Barbie is making a special announcement that she's holding a contest. So she pick reaches me, in and she pulls out the names of the three winners for the uh, for the Barbie contest. And we see the reaction. And it's funny here. It, it just, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. What? You, you're going to go... Uh, never mind. I was, just, I was, I was going to do like a Jeff Foxworthy thing. 
You know, if you're wearing skin-tied pants with a lightning bolt on the side of it, you might be gay. Oh. oh. I don't know. He looks real happy about where she's reaching and where he's standing. It's, he's doing the popcorn trick. <laughs> you might be Ken. Reach really deep for that prize. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I. Maybe we. Maybe we need a different book for this one. No, no. no keep I, going. I think this is going. Uh, no, no, we should treat this with dignity and respect because everybody who listens that. to Back it's to the Bins wants to hear about Barbie. to be able to send listeners of earning my ears over to this episode, and that's totally not going to happen now. Oh, yeah, that's, that's a bad Which idea. Which one of them are you going to send? Oh, ah. Oh, uh, I'm already so, here. So, page four, is that is that Carrie Fisher that the kids... Abuela, abuela, I'm going to Walt Disney World. It looks like, <laughs> it looks oh like my God. old it Carrie Fisher. Like, that does look like Carrie Fisher. Good She's Lord. Like, Yes, you gotta go, you little bastard. <laughs> Don't say it. Well, I, th- I just think it's funny that on that page, you know, after you know Barbie's made the announcement and everything, and they're they're waiting to hear back from the the people that won. She actually tells her assistant or whoever this guy. Oh, it's Ken. Now yeah. is this like Ken? Ken? Like from Barbie and Ken? Yeah, no, I'm sure yeah, that's the one that was be. playing a hide the salami in the Barbie Rolodex <laughs> thing, where she was reaching for the. Oh, never mind. Is that Ken? Sure. That's You're the Barbie guy, expert tonight, Scott. You yeah, right. <laughs> Thanks. But I just think it's funny. You know, it just it dates this this era and dates this comic where she says, "I wish I could see uh, their reactions when they find out they've won a trip to Walt Disney World." And now, you know, yeah, that's half of YouTube is videos yeah. people, yeah. you know, finding out. Anyway, we do get to see the reactions of the of the three different kids that that win the contest. Well, you know, I I think the first kid that's yelling to Grandma. Carrie Fisher, uh, off panel. We didn't see where he got hit by the car because he's running across the street. <laughs> yeah, he's not even looking. Actually, I think the car just hit him because he looks like he's flying. <laughs> <laughs> so a week later, the kids actually wind up at Walt Disney World, and I actually kind of like this full. Now, would you smash. would you let your pre-adolescent kid be accompanied by Ken? Yeah. Well, you know, I did think of this that it, you know, it says that uh, it says one week later the children arrive in their chaperones, Ken and Christy, which I think I think Christy's actually like an official like one of the Barbie figure things too, right? Where are yeah, their parents? Off, I, I think but yeah, I thought. Might be, yeah, I think. Uh... Well, I did run a toy department for a number of years, so I oh, think okay. It's <laughs> funnier when you were. It's funnier when we're painting you as a Barbie expert. <laughs> he just worked in the toy department to hide his Barbie fetish. <laughs> but what's funny yeah, about yeah, the toy is now, Matt, this is what you're here for, buddy. Back me up on this. You've been to uh-huh. Disney parks. Are, aren't they in an area that you're not like allowed to walk? Isn't this like the fenced off area? Yeah, that's, and there's a couple of things like this I've seen in here. I was like, wow, yeah. how'd they get access to another? Barbie can pull some strings. Yeah, that's what, what I'm what thinking. Like that's Disney my no prize for this, is, is that the Barbie is actually... team will take you out. <laughs> have, like, goofy up in the tower with a sniper rifle. Whoa, whoa, I got another one in the grass. <laughs> Whoa, <laughs> So Barbie welcomes the kids. We have uh, Emily, Nicole, and Gabriel. And right away, before they actually get to enjoy anything at all, she's actually putting them on some sort of uh, quest. It's it's like a mystery, you know, treasure hunt type of thing. And here's something to distract you from the fun of Disney World. <laughs> right, exactly. So Christy, give, no, does she give one of these to each of the kids? That was my mystery in this whole thing is, uh, oh, yeah, she does say, okay, she says, uh, Barbie, Ken, and I will each carry one of these gift bags. 
So essentially what they have to do is they have to go around the park and they have to collect these different clues. And then when they collect all the clues, the gift bag itself functions as like the last clue to complete the puzzle so that they know where to go or whatever. So they set out on this whole thing and they have their map and they start in front of Cinderella Castle. And I really appreciated the fact that Barbie calls it the correct name. It's not Cinderella's castle, it's Cinderella Castle. And she actually calls it by the right name. And it actually looks pretty authentic. This is the thing where I give this book a big old pass because I have collected a fair number now of comics that where the story takes place, again, you know, at a Disney park. And usually it's just kind of playing lip service to it. But once you actually get into the story, it really doesn't resemble the place that it's supposed to be. The it's old, like the, yeah, uh, they, what's that? I'm sorry, go ahead. I was say, yeah, they, they cross through the uh, Cinderella Castle Gate and get on Pirates of the Caribbean and get out and get on Space Mountain. Right. Yeah, exactly. Whereas in this, you know, it, it at least things look the way that they're supposed to look for the for the most part. You know what I mean? Because, like, I, I have a number of the old Dell Disneyland comics from the 50s. And the story would start with, like, Mickey and the gang going into Disneyland. And then immediately it was, like, nothing remotely resembled a Disneyland that has ever existed. Whereas this, I can see where the artist was trying. Because, for example, if you look through the archway of Cinderella Castle, that's pretty much the view that you'll see through there because you see the the carousel you know, at the back of the, uh, of the, you know, of the archway right there, which is kind of cool. So anyway, they set off on their quest. And the first thing that they do is Barbie and, uh, and the little girl that she takes with her, they go on the Pirates of the Caribbean ride. And, uh, the depiction of, uh, the plaza for pirates in Adventureland is pretty, it's pretty cool. It's pretty accurate. Mm -hmm. So they go on the pirates, you turn the page and you have, uh, Barbie and the little girl's name is Emily and they're riding through the pirates uh, you know one of the scenes in the pirates where the village is actually on fire now the funny thing about this the thing that I noticed immediately and posted up on Facebook a picture of this panel saying does anybody else see what's wrong with this panel do you guys see what's wrong with this panel yeah I actually saw it when you put it on Facebook so what's wrong surprise. with it I know I know uh, anyone else guessing before I I'm just trying to look. I, I don't think I don't think I'm going to come up with it, so I don't want to keep us waiting. So keep going. No, I'm not sure. Boats are going the wrong way, aren't they? Yep. So oh this is yeah. Where, this is where I need Matt. Or excuse me. This is where I need Paul rather to put in the uh, "You're going in the wrong direction" clip <laughs> from Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Barbie's going to kill someone. How do How do they know which direction we were going? They must be drinking. <laughs> <Right. laughs> ah, he's she's drunk. <laughs> Holy shit, look at that guy on the wrong side of the highway. He's going to kill somebody. Hey! Hey! Hey, what's going on? Some joker wants the race. Don't race, that's ridiculous. All right, come on, let's go, let's go. Put your window down! You want something? Probably drunk. You're going the wrong way! What? You're going the wrong way! He says we're going the wrong way! Oh, he's drunk! How would he know where we're going? Yeah, how would he know? Thank you, thanks a lot. Terrific. Thank you! <laughs> what a moron. <laughs> 
Well, what's funny is they, they compound the error in the next panel where it shows... Now, if they truly were going the direction that it shows in the first panel, then the next scene they would see would be the scene in the next panel because that happens before the one in the first mm. panel. But now when you look at the scene in the second panel, now they're going the right way. So yeah, <laughs> right. this just gives me a major headache. Plus, I did some research on this. Now, that top panel is actually a recreation of an existing photo. And I and I sent it to you guys earlier so yeah. you could look at it. And you guys all said the same thing that, wow, that's the exact same picture. So, you know, kudos to the artist that they did their homework on that panel. And However, well, on this next panel, I'm, I'm, go ahead. I was going to say, but, and to their defense, if, with, because the picture you showed us doesn't have the boats in it, the way the guy's stepping off the boat, the way he's facing, the way the two drunks are swaying and up in the upper left-hand corner, it kind of alludes yeah. to the fact that that's the way everything's flowing in this scene. So he just kind of went with what everything alluded to in this picture. That is a really good point that I hadn't thought of. But you're, yeah, you're absolutely right. That, yeah, the the picture that this is based on doesn't have the ride vehicles in it. So yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, and of course, you know, you have to remember this was a, a pre YouTube, you know, time and that sort of thing. So it wasn't like you could just look it up and, and, you know, copy it that quick. So if they're, you know, they're probably going off memory and still photos and stuff. So yeah. And, and a woman's it, driving. So it's easy to think. <laughs> it was before YouTube, before the empire. But the one that I found disturbing, so the second panel, they're still on the pirate's ride, and this is the scene where you have the, I think this is called the minstrel scene, if I'm not mistaken. You've got basically the three singers. You've got the one guy playing the whatever that is, the ukulele, the one guy that's just singing, and then the one guy playing the um, accordion. And the donkey is in the scene, the dog's in the scene. Everybody's doing the Yoho song together. Even the donkey and the dog are, are singing the song. But you've got this pirate that's very relaxed who's sitting in a boat with one leg over the side of the boat and he's thumping on a uh, what the little girl calls a tom-tom drum. And she purposely calls it this because this is supposedly the answer to the clue. She says, he's playing a tom-tom drum. I'll bet tom-tom is the clue. And Okay, whatever. But here's the thing. We're going to win a GPS. Oh, sorry. I'm looking at this picture and I'm going... I don't remember ever having seen that particular pirate. So I real quick went to YouTube and I'm looking at ride videos and sure enough, don't find this guy. Ah. So then I went to my, what I consider to be the ultimate source of all things pirates. I went to my, uh, from the magic kingdom to the screen book by um, Jason Sorrell. And to the best I can determine, this is not a thing. So this was made up just for this story. Well, which bugs me just a little bit. Like No, 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 because they if this was a special thing, Barbie obviously has the strings to can pull the strings to get them to walk on the grass. Yeah. So they just stuck that in there for the kids. It's they all a part a, of the it's all the magic. A guy right. right off of the Broadway production of Three Musketeers and threw him in the boat. <laughs> yeah. All right, I will. I will go along with that. Maybe it's even an actor for that matter. So maybe, yeah, maybe it is a special thing just for this Barbie contest. I will go along with that. However, them expanding the pirates' ride so that you can actually turn around in this scene and head the other direction—that's <laughs> really going above and beyond, right there. So anyway, now they have the first clue, Tom Tom. So moving along, we go to Ken and uh, the other little contestant who, what's his name, Gabriel, and they go to Tomorrowland. 
I'm going to put in a new bubble up here and take it right from airplane and say, hey, Gabriel, you ever seen a grown man naked? (laughs) (laughs) The only problem with this... Want to go ride the people mover? (laughs) I love the art. I love the depiction of classic Tomorrowland. You're the classic entryway into Tomorrowland. I love that you get a shot of the... What were these called? Was this the the Sky Rockets? Yeah, Yeah. the ones above the people mover? Yeah, and you see... You you actually see the sign that says Wedway People Mover, and you see the people mover. It is a great shot of Space Mountain, although the proportion's a little bit large. (laughs) I really like this. They go on uh, Space Mountain, and they get the next clue and everything. I like everything about this, except for one thing. I did my homework on this, and this version of Tomorrowland didn't exist anymore by the time this story was published. Really? So what I'm wondering is, just how long was this story in production? Because I would imagine that there was probably a significant amount of time where they had to produce the story, you know, they had to write it, they had to get it drawn, they had to get everything done, then they had to submit it for D- to Disney for approval, and then Disney would send it back saying, okay, you know, either all right, good, you're good to go, or can you when please... When did this book come out? Whatever. This came out in the very end of 94. They'd already well, redone Yep, Disney? they were in New Tomorrowland by this oh. point. So, yeah, so I mean, a minor thing, but of course, you know... That's just one of those things I happen to notice. However, again, the depictions of the things that they're going to, pretty accurate. And I really liked that. I thought that was neat. Except for one thing. And again, you could chalk this up to this is part of the contest. This was an addition. But they go on Space Mountain, and they're actually able to make out constellations. Right. While we're they're there, like sea constellations. Yeah, exactly. If you've ever been on Space Mountain, you know that's not a thing. That doesn't really exist. I'm trying to keep my shit together when I'm on that ride. <laughs> God. <laughs> However, uh, I really like the depiction of the queue um, and everything of Space Mountain. Yeah. Page uh, 15 is really cool. And, of course, the depiction of Fantasyland with the old Dumbo location is pretty spot on. That's a really, really good piece of art right there. I like, you know, for what it is. It's, I it's like the comics, depiction but... of Christy up there. In the... Yeah. That's... <laughs> mm-hmm. So now uh, the, the boy finds his, uh, his his clue, and his clue is Saw, S-A-W, because one of the constellations looks like a hacksaw, which... Would they stop the ride for that? that? <laughs> All right. What do you see? Wham! I see stars because we just hit by the next car. <laughs> How they even know Stop that that's everything is one of Barbie's saw? guests. <laughs> I mean, does that look like a saw to you? Because that looked like nothing really to me. It looks like is a... that what that was? Okay, I thought it was yeah, like the. I like thought it was saw. like <laughs> it looked like a, a failed firework effect for a Who <laughs> concert. <laughs> right. I mean, I've been to the planetarium, and anytime they show you a constellation, sure, when you draw the lines, it looks like it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but but if you just show me the stars, no, none of them look like anything that you're saying. Right. Yeah. Exactly. It's like the Simpsons when they're pointing out constellations. They're like, that one's a chariot race, and it's just one star by itself. <laughs> right. <laughs> so Gabriel's got his clue. So now we have Tom Tom, and we have Saw. So then we go to... Uh, Christy and whatever the little girl's name is and oh god I just realized Matt's wife's name is Christy and you could edit this out of context <laughs> <laughs> oh crap they passed by Dumbo 
and they're headed to the teacups, they actually pass by the old 20,000 Leagues yeah. uh, ride, which is actually really cool. And you see the oh, Nautilus yeah. out Bay and everything, except for the fact this ride was closed at this oh. time that the issue was published. So again, and a lot more, little more research on this stuff. A lot more beachfront than I remember. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, those, those two... I'm assuming those are guys that are standing there at the edge. They look like they could just walk right into the water if they wanted to. Which yeah, right. Which sure was not a thing. So then Christy and Nicole, that's the little girl's name, they go on the teacups. Now, again, using the no prize explanation that there's some extra things added for this Barbie contest, all of the teacups actually have numbers on them. You know, it's like a little stand with a number on it. And the number is actually referencing a famous year like 1955 and 1812 and 1492. That turns out that that's the next clue. So now we have Tom Tom, Soy, or Saw rather, and Year. So you can maybe figure out where this whole thing is headed. Saw off but Tom's this- ear. <laughs> so <laughs> no, they stopped. have the three clues so then each one of the kids is given by their chaperone the little prize bag thing and they open up and in the bag is an island is the last clue it's a little palm tree with like a little base uh, it looks like a like a desert island type of thing it's the chinziest looking island i ever seen <laughs> yeah well it looks That's like a bugs bunny find... stranded island <laughs> Hey, it looks like something you'd find at like a like a Florida gift shop, you know, yeah, like right. those truck stop, you know, gift shop type of things. But I really do like the I love the depiction of the the queue, you know, the outside queue of it's a small world. That's pretty accurate, and uh, the Frontierland Railway stand. Eh, that's pretty close. I love the uh, the Main Street, uh, you know, trolley car being struck down the street by the horse and everything. That that's actually pretty cool. Well, most of that's pretty pretty accurate. So the kids, of course, they put all the clues together and they come up with Tom Sawyer Island. And this really blew me away that, wow, Tom Sawyer Island is such a neglected part these days of both of, you know, Disneyland and Magic Kingdom that I like that this was kind of like the conclusion of the story was actually going to take place there. Because that turns out that's one of my favorite areas of the park. It just seems to be one of those kind of overlooked areas. So they go to the raft to cross over to, you know, from Frontierland over to Tom Sawyer Island. But uh, poor Barbie and the little girl that she's with, Emily, they missed the raft. So like, oh, we all wanted to be there together to wrap this whole thing up. So they actually go. I was and thinking get... Bar- Barbie was driving the monorail, but the wrong direction. So it took forever <laughs> to get there. <laughs> <laughs> they actually go and they get one of the uh, Davy Crockett Explorer Scout canoes, which, again, doesn't yeah. exist anymore. I don't know when they discontinued that. I didn't look that up, so I don't know if that was uh, still a thing at this point or not. This entire story predates me going to parks. Mm. But anyway, they wound up. Uh, they wait, all wait, wait, up... whoa, whoa, whoa. The the picture on page eighteen where Ken is saying, "Hey, wait for me." Doesn't look like he's pitching his kneecap. <laughs> yes, it does actually. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's just it's just a weird I'm weird trip. You. Yeah. Oh, I got you. Cut your leg. <laughs> Sorry. You're going to run for me, you little minx. Oh, sorry. (laughs) Oh, Gabriel. You're going to get a spanking. (laughs) On Tom Sawyer Island. Mm. (laughs) They wind up over on uh, Tom Sawyer Island, and I really like this because it kind of shows the the major highlights of Tom Sawyer Island. You've got uh, Engine Joe's Cave. I really like that they actually show Harper's Mill with the actual Harper's Mill uh, logo on the side of it and everything. I, I, this was really cool to me. I thought this whole uh, section was neat. 
Oh, Plus, yeah, they get that bridge with the, you know, the barrels. Yeah, yeah there's the bridge That's with cool. the barrels, and they're looking for an X, because X is supposed to you know mark the spot of the treasure or whatever the thing is here. And when uh, Gabriel and Ken are going, going across the barrel bridge, there's a kid ahead of Gabriel that has an X-Men shirt on. <laughs> And Gabriel is actually saying, "Is that the X, Ken?" Which I I just thought that was kind of cool, you know, because it is a it is a Marvel comic after all. So anyway, long story short, they're they're looking all over the island. They can't find the X, and Gabriel realizes he's lost his lucky hat. So then they decide, all the three of the kids decide together that you know, all right, for the moment, let's put the contest thing to the side. Let's all team up, and we're gonna find this kid's hat. And Barbie really thinks that this is this is nice, that the kids are more intent on helping each other than they are on winning the contest. So they go to Fort Sam Clemens, and they're going in there and going up on the, the higher stories in the, in the turret thing to kind of get a better look over the whole island. And that's when they actually spot the X that's formed out of a hedge to where I have to ask, where are they looking? Because this, <laughs> this is not a thing. This doesn't right. exist. So you're Again, either looking... it was planted in... for, the, for the contest. Yeah, but... See, there's trees and grass and everything right there. Like 10 you, years prior. This, this was really well thought out in advance. I guess. Because <laughs> I don't know where that vantage point would be. Because whenever I've been up there, you're either looking across the river at Big Thunder Mountain, which, let me think, would that, yeah, that would have been there. Or you're looking down into, like, the courtyard of Fort Sam Clemens. There is no area like this that I can think of where Barbie's there's been so room. powerful she had land brought in. <laughs> but they find the x they win the contest and at the very end of it they basically decide you know what oh but wait but wait but wait to say like oh thanks barbie we'll try again in next year's contest what makes you think you're coming back here again right yeah exactly (laughs) your stupid hat brought everything to a grinding halt (laughs) (laughs) they decide to to share the the contest together so I love how they basically uh, they just volunteer themselves like, let's all be in the show together, which was not really a thing. But Barbie, you know, she's nice. She's generous. So she goes ahead and she says, yeah, what what the heck? We'll go ahead. We'll have all three of you kids be in the show now. And uh, Gabriel even you know, mentions, you know, he didn't need he didn't need his lucky hat. And you see this hand come out of nowhere. And it's clearly mickey's hand but we don't see mickey we just see the word balloon that says did someone mention this and he's holding the hat but it's in arnold schwarzenegger's voice (laughs) (laughs) someone mentioned this wow my god (laughs) so the kids all have like stunned reactions and stunned looks on their faces and everything going who was that who was that (laughs) who was a giant six foot mouse (laughs) i think it was and barbie clearly put the hat back on his head because it's facing the wrong direction right and the story concludes with them being part of the Barbie show, wherever this is supposed to be taking place. Yeah, that's a good back yeah. out again. I don't know where Barbie this show. is. Stuck yeah. on a star above the stage, sold into child slavery for the rest of their lives. <laughs> and it's a different hat. He's wearing a yeah, blue a different hat, hat as opposed to the red hat. So. And apparently is... Christy rate, rated the wardrobe with Josie and the Pussycats. <laughs> And that's the conclusion and of And Barbie stole She-Ra's outfit. Or I don't yeah, know right. There the you go. That. And there's a, lot of, man, there's a lot of old people in that audience, too, looking up. That's kind of creepy. That is the six people that came to see this show. <laughs> there's more people on stage than in the audience. <laughs> so, you know, this, this 
this story, just the existence of this issue, really raises more questions than anything. For one thing, <laughs> I know yes. there was, there was yes, not... how long was Barbie in the child slave trade? It would be the first one. <laughs> well, you know, there's not, you know, if, accepting the story itself. There is not a single ad in here anywhere for anything Disney. And I thought that was interesting. really strange. There's actually a couple of ads for... Well, the entire magazine's an ad for Disney. That's well, I, I, see, I knew somebody would say that, but I mean, it just it seems strange that... Oh, I'm not knocking actual, it. I mean, I think it's fine. But there's no I, actual advertising. I really expected to find an ad in here somewhere for Walt Disney World. And there's yeah, that would make sense. Yeah. And there's actually a couple of ads for um, the Macaulay Culkin animated movie that was out at this time called The Page Master, which is not a Disney movie. I think that's a Don Bluth, I want to say. So I just thought that was really strange. But, you know, <laughs> I, I thought this was just, it, it's, an, it's an interesting time because, you well, know, I can they had they had enough, you know, vision into the future to, have old Carrie Fisher in there, you know, since they were going <laughs> to buy Star Wars. I just, I remember very distinctly when Disney bought Marvel. And I remember the forum that I belonged to at the time, which was, you know, this was way before, uh, you know, Two True Freaks and, and the forum that we had and all that sort of thing. And just all the naysayers and, you know, what does Disney have to do with Marvel and all that? And I think that this is an interesting look into the fact that. You know, they didn't have a lot of collaborations, but from time to time, you know, they, they did do things similar to this. And, you know, there was sort of a, I don't know what you would call it, not necessarily like a working relationship, but clearly a, a respect between the two companies. They they were aware of each other and, and everything like that. And I I just thought this was interesting, you know, from a from just, you know, a purely uh, historical, you know, perspective on comics and, and that sort of thing and just... You know, a, uh, a a melding of the two companies and the two, I don't know if you'd want to say universes, because clearly, you know, there wasn't like Spider-Man wasn't in it or anything like that. But, you know, long before one, you know, absorbed the other as as corporate entities, you know, just the two actually working together and, in, in, you know, in this collaborative fashion. I, I thought it was interesting. I don't know. What did you guys think of it? Well, I think. Marvel. Um, I think Disney bought Marvel just so they could get their hands on all copies of this book and <laughs> destroy them. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I think it's interesting that I know what a busy, busy guy you are. Because otherwise, hearing your synopsis of this, I would just think, there's a guy with too much free time. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, this book isn't... isn't. I'm not the audience for this book. Right. <laughs> I mean, so I, I have to look at it and kind of try and judge it from the perspective of, you know, who who is intended to read this. And I'm thinking maybe maybe an eight or nine year old girl, right? And from that perspective, I think it probably works well. Yeah, it's cute. Yeah, it's cute. The artwork is good. They probably don't know all those theme park deficiencies that Scott's point. <laughs> right. I, I just I just picture like the person who who drew this. Hearing this podcast and being like, what the f***? <laughs> is some 40-something-year-old man reading this book and Busted my me, balls. What the hell? <laughs> but, you know, that that aside, you know, like I said, I think it, it kind of serves the purpose of what it, what it should. You know, and, and you know, you, you kind of poo-pooed it a little, but it is a, a, you know, a whole book that's an ad for Disney. Because I'm thinking an 8-year-old reading this, especially an 8-year-old who whose family is planning a trip to Disney 
is going to be seeing all these different things and saying, oh, yeah, I want to do that. I want to do that. I want to do that. Yep. And, and you know, that then, you know, it's like uh, goal achieved. See, I, I, I was hoping not to come across like I was poo-pooing it because, wow, clearly – I'm not the audience for this. That clearly, as you <laughs> say, this is sadly you like are a, <laughs> like a like an eight year old girl or whatever. At the same rate, what I'm really impressed with, what I what I remain impressed with 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 this book, despite you know some some quibbles with accuracy, and, you know, dead on accuracy and and timing and things like that. What I remain impressed with, and the reason that I am glad that I shelled out for this, I'm glad to have it in my collection, is that when I get those those old Dells, when I track those books down, because there's still several of them I'm, I'm still trying to get. But whenever I've got any of those, like the one, remember the one that I did at, at Christmas year before last? Mm -hmm. That mm -hmm. Christmas at Disneyland one from, what was that, 1957 or whatever. As much fun as that was, and it was more fun to nitpick it more than anything else, but as much fun as that was, at the end of the day, I'm really disappointed in those. Because, like I say, they, they, they go to the park but then once they go to the park, every one of them I've read so far does the same thing, is they take the name of the land, like, you know, Donald's going to go to Adventureland, and then they tell, like, a, an adventure of Donald and, the, and his nephews going off to, like, some island or something. And it has nothing whatsoever to do with the actual Adventureland as it exists in that park. Nothing looks accurate. Nothing even, it doesn't even try you know, to make it park accurate. In this book, I can tell that the, the art team was actively trying, you know, that they really were intent on getting things as close as they could within the kitty story that they were telling. And I appreciate that. I actually think that's really cool. I wish that more stories, if, if you're going to set yourself, especially by this point, by 95 this would be like setting a story in any other well-known place, like Times Square or whatever, you know, someplace that millions of people have been to. I would think that you'd want to make more of an effort to make it look like the real place looks because people are going to notice that. And so I like that. I like that, you know, the, these artists, while they're, you know, they're clearly drawing in a very kiddified story style, at the end of the day... I like this much better than any of those old Dell things that I've read because the stuff looks what it like what it's supposed to look like. And I thought that was cool. That that's the part of it I liked. I mean, was it a, a, a brilliant story that that moved me deeply and makes me want to read the whole other forty nine issues of Barbie? <laughs> nope. <laughs> How did they get to this point? I need yeah, to know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but just you know, for the novelty of it, I thought it was pretty cool. I will agree with you. The fun part of this apart from taking the piss out of it, was <laughs> paging through it and identifying things that I've right. seen or even still there. That was the fun part of this. But other than that, yeah. I mean, well, I mean, yeah, Paul said it. We are not the audience for it. So. Right. Or the, at least the original audience for it. As a Disneyphile or a theme park fan, there's that aspect of it. But the original intent, the target audience to buy this off the shelves was not us. So that's <laughs> why we took the piss yeah. out of it, I think. It was nice to see things I've seen that are no longer there and I haven't seen in a long time. Right. And I'm not talking about Ken. <laughs> <laughs> so, grades. Um, just just as a thought, I think if you know if if you're seen reading this, you probably go on to like CPS's uh, you know watch list. <laughs> <laughs> true. That is true. 
Well, uh, someone, and I think it was Luke Giaconetti, asked today on uh, on Facebook, um, was this something I picked up as part of my collection of comics that are represented around Walt Disney World? Uh, and it's not. This is part of a different collection, which is comics stories that have taken place in a Disney park, which is, you know, it's a, a whole different type of collection. But I'm like, why isn't this one on display somewhere? I mean, this one's, this is, here's the thing. Of all the ones I have of in a Disney park, now you this would think most with, human? with Walt Disney World being, <laughs> <laughs> you would think that with all of the, um, I mean, Walt Disney World, it, it's the number one tourist destination in the world. And it's held that distinction for a very long time. So you would think there'd be a lot of comics that have taken place there, a lot of comic stories. And really, there's not. I mean, I can only think of just a handful off the top of my head. None of them come anywhere close to being accurate to the way you think. This is the most accurate one. So I'm almost you know, amazed that this one isn't represented somewhere. Anyway, all of that aside, uh, cover on this one, Eh, it's it's all right. I mean, it's it's Barbie, you know, <laughs> um, but I, I do appreciate the fact now knowing that it's drawn by Amanda, Con Amanda Connor actually raises it up slightly for me. I really do like her art style. Um, I just didn't really identify it here. This still looks more like Trina Robbins on the cover to me than it, it does um, Amanda Connor. But uh, I don't know. I'd give it a, a straight middle of the road C, I guess. It doesn't really do anything for me because I would never have picked this up if it wasn't for what it's about. So there you go. Uh, interior art. Um, I mean, it's almost impossible for me to grade this because this is just not it's just not my kind of comics. You know, it's not my my style and, and it's drawn in that girly kind of style. But for the fact of a lot of things, again, look look accurate to the way that they're supposed to look and things are well-researched for the most part, except for boats going the wrong way and things like that. Um, I don't know. I, I guess I'd give it a, uh, I'd give it a C plus. It could definitely be better and tighter, but I mean, it's not supposed to be, you know, artsy superhero stuff. It's, you know, it's meant for little kids. So there you go. Story, uh, I'm going to give the story uh, an A. I'd give it an A plus, but they made some mistakes. <laughs> I give it an A because I, I thought it was kind of cool. I thought it was inventive of of the way that they got them around the park and everything. So there you go. Your mileage may vary. Okay. So, that so that averages out to what a B for Barbie? Yeah, there you go. Hey, that there you that go. totally works. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna give this a double rating. I'm gonna rate it for myself as a fifty uh, something year old man. <laughs> I'm giving it an F across the board. <laughs> does nothing for me as the father of a girl who was once eight years old who might have bought comics for her at the time if something like this was on the stand i think she would have liked this i think potentially she would have read it several times and i'm just going to give it a blanket rating i'm not going to rate individually but i'm going to give it a solid b because i think an eight-year-old girl would really enjoy this book i'm done <laughs> okay well, i guess i'll go and get it out of the way um man i don't know I almost wish the story was sillier so that we could have even tore in it a little more, but it was, it well, was I just could have made it sillier, but it was tough I, enough to get through my synopsis as it right, was. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, as far as the cover, I mean, the cover is not ugly, but again, like you said, I wouldn't buy it based on cover alone. Mainly. Well, I wouldn't get past the title part and forget the rest of the picture, but I mean, it's, 
well-drawn cover. I guess I'll go with a C. Interior art mostly is, uh, at least it's consistent. I'll, I'll give it that. I actually really was enjoying the, uh, I, I kind of just envisioned the artist drawing this stuff from memory and different references until you showed us that photo, and it actually disappointed me a little bit, seeing that that panel, probably the 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 most detailed panel of any of the rides was completely photo referenced. So that actually brings it down a little bit. So I'll give that a C as well. And as far as the story goes, I, I, I wish it was sillier and really no point in giving another grade other than a C. So that's where I'm running. So I'll just give the whole thing a C as in, uh, come on. I don't want to read this again. <laughs> I had another C, but it was like uh, probably inappropriate for this show. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll be quick. Now, see, everybody groans. Oh, God. <laughs> Famous last words. Famous. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll just this. This would be good for a young girl, not for grumpy old men. So, uh, yeah, but I for a young kid, this would be a good solid B book. Like like Paul said, for us, not so much. It was it was F for fun, fun, fun to tear it up. So that's it. All right. Well, <laughs> I think we. I think you've left us speechless, we've, Scott. We've we've been stunned into silence. But I was really looking forward to the uh, "See You Later, Christmas Gator." Yeah, story. The Okie Dokie Finoki, a little elf. We're gonna read the letters too. Oh, there's letters. Yeah. Oh wait, let's read a letter. Is there a letter back here? Let me find one. Dear oh Barbie, my God, there's a lot of letters. You won't believe this, but all of this is true. I never, never thought, thought this it would happen to me. <laughs> I will say the, uh, what is it, the, where'd it go? The, uh, one of these ads caught my eye, and I meant to say it earlier. The Playmobil oh. dollhouse looks oh, like a, a freaking Bates Mansion. <laughs> that's a creepy looking little kid in there, too. Yeah, right? Um, what is that? Uh, oh, there's a thing here. It says, special thanks to Lisa Ramey and Russell Schroeder of the Walt Disney Company. So, I guess Disney did have some input into this. Ooh, we have all the Barbie, uh, Outfits. Yeah, I saw those. Those are awesome. Ah, uh, you wouldn't catch me dead in one of those. Well, I wouldn't fit in one of those anyway. <laughs> I'm gonna print out the subscription order form and see if it's still if they still honor this agreement. <laughs> and you could put for me or a gift. Well, obviously it's a gift. <laughs> <laughs> right. Because what forty year old man would be subscribing to a Barbie comic? <laughs> what forty year old man would buy this at a convention? Wait. Oops. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to our show, and we hope you'll continue to join us each and every week for more good old-fashioned comic book back-issue awesomeness. You can contact Back to the Bins to leave feedback, comments, questions, suggestions, and criticisms via email at backtothebins at gmail.com or by joining the Back to the Bins group on Facebook. Back to the Bins is a proud affiliate of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network, which you may find at www.twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is a registered trademark of DiManzo Corps of Milan, Italy. All rights reserved. Each and every month, the Two True Freaks Network produces dozens of new and exciting episodes which regularly reach tens of thousands of loyal listeners worldwide. Sponsorship and or advertising opportunities are available. Inquiries may be made via email to two true freaks at gmail.com. Please take a moment to stop by the two true site and check out their many other fine podcasts, won't you? Thanks, and we'll see you next week. So, oh, so what is this? Back to the bins? Where are we? We are back to the bins.
We are back to the bins. Bum, 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 bum.